Hello and welcome to Everyday Turner number 127, your favorite, most deceptively named bi-weekly legacy podcast. Today's show is brought to you by all our Patreon supporters. If you want to support the running of the show directly, you can support us on patreon.com slash everyday channel guys i just had to stop kai because kai was late for a recording because you had to beat up on some poor death shadow guy in a legacy <laughs> league right yeah i just i just finished my match it was like round three in in this current um uh league and dude i gotta say like i'm obsessed with elves i don't know what it is like but it's like recently i i started like you know just um giving this like a shot i think ever since i saw erin relentless in uh sweden at the tier one con i was fairly impressed by bear elves just because like it's 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 pretty absurd like the deck and it's also like <laughs> it, and it's also like it really rewards you for being like quote-unquote smart right because like you do a lot of like smart decisions i suppose <laughs> you like that and, uh, i, I kind of like that it, it's you kinda, filthy anima you like yeah. smart decisions <laughs> dude it's like one thing i like in this freaking disgusting dude oh. I, hate, I hate smart people <laughs> i know right <laughs> that's why yeah, that's why we are on the on the same cast <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah the, the deck is contagious the deck is absolutely contagious but once you get your fingers on it you you really can't stop playing it for for a long time like even when right. i sometimes play other decks i always like return to f's and want to grind that again exactly it is real addictive i i don't know what it is but it's probably like the um the combination of like a super high power level but also a lot of different games because like sometimes you have like the very combo-y games sometimes you have like grindy games and sometimes you have obviously you have games where opponent goes like tome and gristlebrand so like you know you have like, you have a lot a lot of lot of shit going on i think i think that a lot Oh, that's amazing. And speaking of smart decisions, Kai, did you realize um, you are actually one of the, I want to say like top 12 or something, most successful legacy challenge players in the last two years or something on Magic Online? Yeah, I, I, was, bo- yeah, I was a little surprised. Um, we should probably maybe like recount the numbers maybe because that sounds a little off maybe. No, you meant to go stop the count. Stop <laughs> I the should count. Probably, yeah, I should probably be like on the bottom 12. I, I don't know what <laughs> happened there, but yeah. Thank you so much to uh, Bob Huang for, uh, for keeping track of everything. That's, that's amazing, really. Yeah, I mean, ever since you started streaming, I felt like you, you made top eight of basically every single legacy challenge you entered and streamed. That, that was that was quite something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it crazy. If it was like last year, I also like big apologize um, um, now because I haven't streamed a single challenge since I moved to, to Berlin simply because... Um, well, there, yeah, there's no excuse. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm <laughs> stupid. Uh, it, it will happen eventually. I'm sorry. You're busy playing tournaments on the weekend, right? Pretty much, pretty much. Like uh, the the past weekend, there was the the tournament, uh, the paper tournament. I am organized in Berlin. It's called like the Five Five, the High Five Legacy. It was the the second uh, tournament. Is now in the books. Um, and I don't know. Yeah, I've been busy like playing paper. It's it's kind of crazy to say because I played a lot of paper magic also in Japan. You know, it's it's not like I didn't do anything on Saturday Sunday, but. Yeah, I'd better come up with some some other excuse. <laughs> I mean, you're, you're bringing some of that of that. Um, I don't. I can't really say Japanese magic. Uh, Japanese magic to Berlin because it's not that big yet. But I'm just impressed that you really came to Berlin. You're like, hey, you know what? We need a legacy tournament here. So you started organizing the the Big Five legacy event. Oh, what's, what's it called? High Five. It's it's, it's, it's called dude the Big Five. <laughs> no, it's big big High dude. Five. Oh man! Isn't that like a Pokemon <laughs> thing? You you have to beat the big five or something. Oh man, that sounds like yeah. I th- I was saying like it sounds kind of like Yu Gi Oh to me, but maybe I'm, maybe I'm wrong. Are you gonna like, start doing like the God of Legacy thing where whoever like goes five out your events has to beat you to actually win it in the final? 
Yeah, but the problem is we only have like about 25 people attending the tournament, you know, so if yeah. you... <laughs> so you just always win. It's like that Obama meme where he's giving a trophy to himself. I guess. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, if you do that for the next tournament, I will add it. I would Photoshop yourself onto the Obama meme. Good. Holy shit, that's so embarrassing. Holy moly. <laughs> you can't win your own tournaments. That's why I came second at my last one. Yeah, well, right. I think, I think you made it right because... Um, that's exactly what happened last um, last tournament. So I won the High Five Legacy, uh, and it was super awkward because rigged, because rigged. I was also yeah because I was also like doing the announcements and uh, <laughs> dude it is it is so freaking aw- and well, first awkward. And really. myself. Yeah, it's <laughs> like hey, dude, like, can can anyone else please make the announcements for for for, for the work? Because otherwise, it's I, I do this, I do this for hours, and I have won a couple and. Luckily, everyone leaves before, so I don't have to be like, yay, well done, Callum. It's just me on my own at the end there, like, pat myself on the back. But, yeah, this is oh, why. Dude, that sounds so place. sad. Like, literally everybody left, and then there's Callum picking up his, I don't know, foil <laughs> Fetchland as a prize. Looks oh, at nice. it, like, okay, uh, I'm going to go home. Actually, you guys still cube afterwards or something, right? Yeah, there's there's often, like, some people hanging around and stuff. Hell yeah, watching. cube, yeah. Did we talk yeah. about that, by the way? You said you got second place in your most recent tournament? Yeah, sure. Um, I played Painter, as always. Like, I was... So the, was it the last episode that we talked about the the five color painter deck? Where I yeah, got, like, really the, the really crazy one. I was so so excited about it, and I played a few leagues online, and I just couldn't win with it. I, I know, oh, really? it looks amazing on paper, and then it just I, look, I I'm happy. Like Daniel did really well with it, and must know things that I don't because the mana base just killed me. Um, literally, I died to a Richard and Port Tap in my City of Brass, so those should <laughs> really? be mana confidence. Damn, that's an old classic. <laughs> but, but jokes aside, like, I don't know, um, maybe I was just playing it wrong, like playing it too aggressively, not like in the matchups versus interaction, maybe I was still playing too aggressively because I was like, herp derp, just this is a fast combo deck where I'm used to playing Red Painter as a very slow, grindy deck, so. Right. It so- was also the morning before, like, of the tournament. I just... I just love playing this this uh, mono red painter deck so much that I'm just like, I got loads of cards out on my desk as well. Like I've been wanting to play a kind of a build with Asmo, Thraka, Daka Daka, whatever, and uh, the Underworld Cookbook. I just can't find the right shell. So in the end, I was like 1 a.m. and I was like, fuck it, I'm I'm playing painter. I just love it. So um, yeah, and the event. I think I lost one early, and then I think I might have lost round one and then one out, and. Um, and lost in the finals. So basically, Bookshelf lost this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was. I don't remember all of them too well. I think I played against a pretty cool range of decks. And um, I don't know, the current build I have of, of Painter, I really, really like. It, it all makes sense to me, at least. Like, we'll get to Painter later with another player who's doing really well with a, quite a different list. But it is a deck that just doesn't have, like, a solidified stock shell at all. So, I mean, in uh, if you're trying to, like, you know, be the absolute best with a, with an archetype, Eventually, there probably is a build that's better, but it's not played enough to actually know. And the way it's that not I've pushed built... to its limits yet, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, and... look at me. I, I also played that deck, that five color painter deck. I also did mm. horribly, and <laughs> then then I switched to the red painter and played it for like actually quite a lot of leagues uh, in the mm. last two weeks. And like after the eighth or ninth league, when I sent you a screenshot, you were like, "Dude, why are you playing City of Brass in your monorail?" <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. Uh, so what, what happened was I, I had that five color deck that played City of Brass and I manually changed it on Magic Online to Red Painter 
and I must have forgotten to change City of Brass to City of uh, City of Traders. Yeah. <laughs> and the thing uh, is, I, I literally I must have played like eight leagues at least without <laughs> noticing it. Why? It's just like you never draw the card or what? No, happens. I kept drawing it, but I didn't you think about just... it. Oh my god! You just never thought of it. <laughs> no, yeah. it never came up to me. Like, why would I yeah. even want that in the first place? The, the, the like, best yeah, like, thing, just like fixing, is really good. Yeah. Yeah, it costs once upon a time, right? The, the best thing was the best thing was the screenshot you sent me where I realized that was you asking me what's the play and I replied saying you've got lethal in like three different ways then you replied later oh shit I didn't see that either <laughs> yeah yeah the, the, I think that was you you, you had the guy the, was, the Kiki Chiki yeah fable saga. copying engineer yeah to, get, to and, get a combo piece and I think I played it out for another like six turns and eventually won <laughs> but yeah you, you were like that dude you, you had like lethal half an hour ago you could have just yeah. like done something else now and like oh my god and City of Brass is in there <laughs> Yeah. You also had a retrofitted foundry that I didn't have in the deck as well, so I don't. Well, know that actually that was that, that was surprisingly good. I might mm. even put it back. <laughs> it's always been like the deck has enough things to do with mana. I found, yeah. but it's a cool card. Oh, that deck is so cool. I had some cool moments. I had a a really cool semi-finals against a guy called Alex, who's a local of ours, who plays Doomsday, and he's he's pretty good at it. And so um, I think he won. We play quite a lot at our weeklies, and so he knows it's a tough matchup because. I think I've got the upper hand most of the time. And then he's saying, oh, no, why did I have to play against you? And then game one, he, he, he wins very well. Like, I have some interaction, but he just, like, you know, makes the perfect pile and goes off turn two, maybe for turn three, and um, beats the, the Pyroblast and all that kind of stuff. And then game two, I think I just have a really good hand. I can't remember exactly what happened. Game three, I'm on the draw. I'm like, okay, I have turn one Welder and turn two Engineer with an extra man to play around days or pyroblast back up so and an artifact land so i can get a tool problem play turn two with a pyroblast or paying for days i'm like okay this is great and he just goes turn one dark ritual doomsday I'm like shit <laughs> so, <laughs> so i'm as the luck suck i am i have um a land a grindstone and, and a lion's eye diamond which i've since cut i don't like it but a lion's eye diamond so i'm like okay grindstone led pass and he's there like shit my pile is four cyclers and then Oracle. So if he then goes for it in response to a cycle with two cards left in library, I mill him and he dies. So he very rightly then has to pass and I draw a card and then I have a Pyroblast up and I pass back. Um, he actually made a pile of Chain of Vapor in, so he then passes again, trying to end of turn, bounce my grindstone so you can actually go for the cycles into it if I have the blast. And he makes a really heads up play as well where He's there with three cards left in his library after going to two draw steps. And he casts a personal tutor just to, just to shuffle the library. Doesn't find anything, obviously. And what this gives him is a one in three chance to just naturally draw the Oracle with two cards left in library. Because then, yeah. then he can go um, just cast it. If I try and Pyroblast it, he can cycle and I might might be tapped down on the grindstone. He had some play at least. So it was just a really, head, really, really heads up play, which when he cast it, I didn't get it. It took me a few seconds. I was like, ah, oh, I see what's going on here. It was really, really next level so that was shout out to that great play but um he didn't draw it out of the three yeah. oh that's that's that that super high level that stuff actually sick i've never done that and i've, yeah. I've been playing doomsday for such a long time damn he, that's cool yeah it was super cool he was really really in the tank he took like a minute or two and i was like yeah it was, it's untimed it's totally fine and he was like you know i'm, I'm gonna play to my outs and yeah it took me a minute it's like cool but um and then in the end he didn't so he tried to chain the grindstone i had the pyroblast and untapped and just activated it and oh that's Got so cool it. very you, you cool game be streaming yeah. those events it's just a lot of work and money to yeah get it's an insane amount yeah 
But um, that was super cool. And in the in the final, I play against Matt Brown, who's a known absolute legacy crusher with lands. He's top eighted legacy GP Bologna, I believe it was, with Sneak and Show as well. He's just a great player. And um, we had cool games. I think game one was one of these amazing games against lands where it was just really grindy, but he... He just absolutely knows what to do in the matchup. He didn't try and go for a combo until later. He was just stifling my resources, like got Tabernacle quickly, was wastelanding me when he had the opportunity. So I was like really between advancing my board state or keeping my creatures alive and stuff. And then he was having sagas go off and pithy needling things and stuff like that. So he just got to me eventually. And what then a game- mean guy. I know, right? And then game two was interesting because I bring in the Maguses, which are great. Lands very often plays zero or two punishing fires. I know he's on two punishing fires, so it can be a liability if they just like play a dark depth and then punishing fire the Magus, but it's I think you absolutely have to play the matchup like that. So game two, I have a pretty good hand. I have turn one welder, which he then plays Mox Diamond and Punching Fires it. Uh and then turn two, I'm like, I have Magus and Engineer in my hand. And if I play the Engineer, I know it's getting punishing fired. And because and probably remo- returning because there's a good chance he has a grove or a crop rotation or some way to get it. Um, I do play it, and then he has the Grove and Punching Fires as expected. But what this does is taps him out. So he he, he has one Punishing Fire in the graveyard. And he, if I play the Magus, he'll not have Groves active. So he has to need to draw the last thing. So that does happen. I play the Magus, and he then plays a Reclaimer off the Mox Diamond. And then we're kind of staring at each other. We're actually attacking. I'm attacking for two. He's attacking for three for like six turns in a row while we draw nothing. <laughs> My next draw, four draw steps were four Urza's Sagas, which I can't play. So I'm not salty here. It's just it was just a very good example of like these little anti synergies can bite you sometimes. It's still worth it. But I had three lands and a Khan in my hand and I drew four as the sagas and it was a little bit painful. And um Isn't that right where you just sit back with Magus? And I, I mean is he still gonna attack into Magus and then you block? Yeah, it's a three four. He he had two lands in the graveyard. He yeah, yeah, I'm just saying you get rid of your own Magos, but that's horrible, right? Because that unlocks basically everything he's got. He had like tons. He was playing yeah. land drops. He yeah. had like tons of utility. He had like waste two wastelands and ports and, <laughs> and grove yeah. as well, which will probably beat the Khan. I can't remember exactly, but I'd definitely lose if it died. And then he drew the punishing fire, which it it was like funny that you drew the one out of it. It didn't really matter because I think I was losing if I didn't hit a land the next turn anyway. But. That was the end of that. It was just funny to like draw the four sagas because some people were watching behind and they could see like the pain in my hands. I'm drawing these cards like, oh god, come on! But um, such a noob. Exactly, exactly. It's cool though. Lands is lands is one of my favorite matchups to play. It's really close. Um, I played actually I played it earlier in the tournament and we had against a, a guy that comes down from the north and we had an amazing match and stuff. So you know that sounds so flavorful a guy who comes down from the from north, the north yeah. yeah like from yeah. the frozen north <laughs> the wasteland of this, i don't know what like where does the north start in, in england like like probably manchester or something i don't know yeah i'm not saying the north because I, I think he's from birmingham but oh that's very south <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm just gonna get it wrong and I'll anything north of london is like the north yeah <laughs> on, honestly the iceland to, yeah to me anything south of london is the north as well i just call anything that isn't london the north there we go <laughs> sure thing okay yeah, yeah. <laughs> so there's my there's my rambly tournament report um yeah i i just can't see myself not playing painter forever yeah. it's just so fun i, I just love like how kai is super addicted to f right now you are addicted to painter i i'm basically addicted to both decks even though i play a lot of driver lately <laughs> that, that, that's a that's a good podcast then okay yeah mm. 
also, um, yeah, like, you know, like monocolored decks, not, not too, not too bad. Not yeah, too bad. monocolored are the best. Monocolored and two colors. That's my charm. That's what I've always been doing. Like, I always feel a bit filthy when I play like three colors decks, and and four color decks is like basically straight to prison. I mean that's how it works. <laughs> it's just like that. I like, that's truly yeah, his philosophy yeah, of like, magic. Yeah, I, I like that. It was like quiet for like a, a, almost like a half a second. Okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> so that was cool. That was a couple of weeks ago. Um, otherwise, recently I had a big weekend of uh, Warhammer just just gone. So that I played on Saturday. I went to friends for barbecue and we played like a huge, huge like just smashing heads in, into each other game. It was really fun. And yesterday uh, there's a tournament which I've started running with uh, three or four other people because um, I wasn't running enough other events with magic ones. <laughs> so it was it's good because they're all very they do as much work as me, so it's actually pretty okay. easy to do. And so Warhammer tournaments are like three rounds per day usually, so this is just a one day. So I was I was in the final. I won my first two with very big scores, so I was in the final, but then the, it's just exhausting playing like ten hours of Warhammer and stuff. So oh, yeah. I, I made the games are like three hours long, so you can make a lot of a lot of mistakes in three hours. So I uh, I try my best to do that and manage very well. Is there something like like a time limit in Warhammer or hard yeah. to go? Um, the first two rounds we didn't, but then because me and the other guy were in a final, we used a chess clock, and then you have like an hour and twenty five minutes each. And well, you, you actually use a chess clock? Yeah. Oh, I, yeah. Actually, I like that a lot. I like yeah, that a lot, it's like, great because I'm I'm a pretty fast player. Um, but I've even come like some armies just require you to make a lot more decisions or roll a lot more dice or just plan things out a lot more. Some are faster. Um, some players are just slow. Like it, it is a massively complex game with tons of decisions. So right. it's a good protection to like just have a clock and say like, look, this is mostly for my sake because I don't want to like take the piss and use too much time because I'd feel bad about that if, if we ended up having a draw and stuff. But also it then protects you against slow players as well. Me and the guy that we played, we've played before in the past and we know each other and it's very, very chill. We had a great game. But um Against unknown people, especially in bigger tournaments, it's, I just always use a chess clock because it just protects you from you know, people that maliciously yeah. or not maliciously play slowly. There's just there's just no way around it. It's their time yeah. and they, they clock out. It's like out. you walk into the room, nobody right. knows you, everybody immediately like, pulls out their chess clocks and puts them <laughs> like, to the yeah. table. I mean, it's, it, it's a very, yeah. very common thing. It's really accepted at, at tournaments. And if someone refuses to use one, well, then the tournament comes, the TO comes and says, well, you have to. <laughs> I mean, like some, sometimes local game, game stores, there's always like this one guy who brings like a stopwatch or something, you know, to, to like a Friday Night Magic modern tournament. And he mm. goes like, yeah, it goes like, okay, 50 minutes. Okay, now, you know, like, like it's like the... I don't know the definition of a spike player to me. Yeah, that's like, funny. Like, right. It's, the, the the whole Warhammer thing is because the games the games really should take longer. Like you're very hard pressed for time. Uh, it's just because of logistics for tournaments doing three rounds in in a whole day. Mm. Like you're going to go on really late if you don't time them. So you just have to and so you do have to make decisions quickly and you know play quickly. It, so it, if you run out of time like in in this thing because me and the guy knew each other, if one of us was going to run out of time, Usually players will kind of offer the other player their time to get the game to a conclusion if one Oh, that's out. so wholesome. <laughs> it, it happens a lot. I've done it at tournaments. I've had it, people do it to me, although I've not needed it as much. But like the clock is there not to clock opponents out, but if it protects both players, if someone is a, a bad slow player or trying to slow play maliciously, like you just don't know if you don't know the players. Like again, at, at Warhammer tournaments, there's so few prizes on the line. It's like you just don't get cheaters, really. You don't get people trying to take advantage of things. But because you need to have the clock just to, you know, get out of the the store that we're playing in on time because of the people working there, it's you, yeah. You you will just give each other your time as well a lot of the time. You know what right. I would do if 
if it ever came to a draw. I would say both, as somebody who has never played Warhammer, actually almost never played Warhammer, both players select their very best unit and they face off one-on-one. -on -one. Oh, that's like, so cool. So you put them to the battlefield, like, I don't know, 10 meters in-game units or whatever, next to each other, <laughs> and then you literally, you just start blasting each other and, well, and whoever survives wins. There's like 10... Ten reasons why that wouldn't work, but it's cool. <laughs> yeah, man. Like, I mean, I would probably just pick the general. You know, like your, yeah, your, yeah. Like your best man against my best man. You know, my my, ar my army awesome. had one model that like kills anything it touches, so that wouldn't oh. be fair. Okay, <laughs> yeah, I would take but, that. But you're ten minutes away, uh, ten meters away, so the other guy has like a gun or something. No, my yeah, guy like moves a, really fast, like so. a bow or something. I promise you. <laughs> the, for the people that play Warhammer, this is a flying hive turret with the Reaper of Obliterax. They they know what I'm talking about. Okay. okay. This, uh, this thing kills anything. I, I was just going to ask, like, is, is this uh, the, what is it called? Like the, I, so I played Warhammer Fantasy back in the day when I was like seventh grade or something, but yeah. it, it's now called, uh, what's it called? Like Age, Age of something? Age, Age of, of Sigma. Sigma. Yes, that, that's the one. Yeah. So I, I've been playing Warhammer 40,000, but oh, Age okay. of Sigma just had a new edition come out. And it's, Warhammer Fantasy Battles is still kind of alive. There's a lot of, um, it's it's kind of like pre-modern in a way. It's it's like uh, players love the nostalgia, especially. So a lot of the time they'll play games and just pick and choose rules that like they like from multiple editions and like just it's very much a nostalgia thing. And I've got a friend that's massively into it. And he loves a good flank charge and stuff. But uh, <laughs> that's what it says on his Tim Tim Yeah, it's Boss Krenko actually. You know him. Oh, okay. Yeah, and uh, they they're bringing back fantasy battles soon in like a year it's going to be called the old world so yeah they're going to bring oh, back cool. like dark elves and that's high really elves cool. and goblins yeah. and all that kind of stuff oh, yeah so cool. yeah maybe, maybe you can do like an episode about warhammer because like i i did play a little bit of 40k um uh, mm. for like a bit i think like what's it called like the the, the zombie armies like ne necrons or something necrons yeah yeah the ne necrons yeah, yeah, yeah they are for a bit, potentially but... the best army in the game right now so really i mean yeah. of, course, I, of course i knew that yeah, yeah, yeah the blue red dive of warhammer but wait, like, I, yeah. I, I think like I lost all the games, so I'm pretty like a shitty player. They were terrible until about a month ago. This is the cool thing with Warhammer is oh. they they bring out like rules updates every three three months, or but they've done it actually a lot more frequently every other other month basically, and they just change armies' rules. And so my army that I play called Tyranids, well, it's my favorite. I play a bunch, but there's what I played yesterday, and they're very very good at the moment as well. But I've been used to playing not great armies over the last couple of years. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's hard work when you play a bad army, but like Necrons have some really good things going for them now. Okay, and how, how do people take that? Like, are, are people like pissed or something? Like, you know, if, if their army gets like purposely, you know, just like nerfed or something? Yeah, so the people online are very, very use, often negative about it, but the people who actually play the tournaments are like, yeah, whatever, we, we move on. So <laughs> Tyranids, when they got a new rules book come out a few months ago, and they've had three rounds of nerfs already because it was so absolutely broken and they're still very good. So the the rules writing team gets a lots of, lots of things wrong, but they get a lot of things right as well, I think. Um, the game is pretty balanced right now. You have like two or three armies at the top, but you can absolutely beat them with like mid-tier armies as well. Yeah. So it's actually very balanced right now. You know, I think they, they should ban that unit that you have that kills everything it touches. People have said that as well. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah it's, I, it's I agree. It's, it's gone up a lot of points. Points is like, which is a bad thing. You want things to be less points. And it also has had like some rules changes as well. And it's still yeah. absurdly good. But yeah. it's, they look, the model looks cool, so it's fine. I think they should outright ban it. It, it doesn't even make any sense. I'd be very upset. I have three of them. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Cool. Yeah. yeah, Julian, what have you been up to recently? Uh, have you also played some games? 
I, I play a lot of Blue Red Diver on Magic Online lately. I played Bouncy Castle as a donation deck yes. that I received from Kinda MTG, which is... <laughs> It's one of the coolest decks I think I've ever put my hats on. So the idea is you play a blue-white control deck, but you you le use Leyline of Singularity. And if you don't know what that Leyline does, it turns all your, I think, non-land permanence in the game into legends. So everything is legendary. You can have only one thing of anything that's not a land. So the, the, I think the card that suffers the most from it is something like Mentor, right? All of a sudden, Mentor is like a hill giant with prowess, I guess. that That's the best way to put it. And... Yeah, I, I had a lot of fun because what you would do is you would play four Caracas in that deck and then literally all the creatures, initially I thought like I could even bounce Planeswalkers, but of course Caracas doesn't bounce Planeswalkers. But you, you could just like bounce all the creatures, your opponent can't put more than one of anything into play, which by the way, wrecked elves. I played, I played a match against elves. It looked like they were <laughs> going to kill me, then I got Leyline of Singularity down because you can also hardcast it right at four mana and like their whole board evaporated. And yeah, that deck is amazing. I started out 3-0, then I think I lost a really close game uh, match to Elves, and I lost the last round to some kind of like bullshit four-color control deck. <laughs> yeah, but, you, I remember you had like a Trinity Nemesis attacking, and then in the last turn they hit in a row. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I got them down to almost nothing, yeah. That, that, they were that like the two, thing. and then they drew in a row. And I then, realized that deck yeah. actually needs help against Wasteland Loam, because I... What, once I realized, like, you you can't really beat that, you, you have to play a tempo game, you have to super rely on Trudem Nemesis to get you over the line, and that worked twice against that kind of deck, but when I played it, like, the third time, they, they barely got me, but that was a lot of fun. Also, another card that hadn't even been on my radar is, um, I think, Moderation, the... The enchantment. Like, he's been trying to make moderation work for like weeks. He, oh, he's he? from London. He's on my Warhammer team as well, actually. And we're just like trying to work out ways. And he's very, very adamant. He likes to, he chooses a card and then builds around it, no matter if it's good or bad. But yeah, I showed it to Marius. Marius was also like surprised because he wasn't aware of the card. And what the card does is, by the way, it's an enchantment. One colorless, a blue and a white. You can play only a single spell per turn, but every time you play a spell, you draw a card. So the first time you do it, it replaces itself. So basically you play it, and then on your opponent's turn, you force fulfill something, you you replace it. Then on your turn, you cast a brainstorm, you draw a card, then you brainstorm. So it really, really, really adds up over time. And of course, the way to abuse it is to have stuff that you can play on the opponent's turn. So that, that worked kind of cool until my opponent got to ferry down. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that, that card was really, really cool. I don't know if I would play four again, but uh, against especially against the control decks, like they, they were in actual trouble. Like They really had to deal with it. Otherwise, I would just like overrun them with shit. <laughs> I suggested get some more like cycling stuff in there, like uh, um, Shark Typhoon and uh, the Timeless Dragon and stuff. Oh, cool. to get around that? Okay, yeah. okay. And Timeless Dragon also, like, you, you could still, like, get it because it's, it's an activated ability, right? Oh, exactly. So, so you, can, you can make a dragon and then, like, cast your swords uh, as well. So. You're smart. Oh, also, the name, rude. by the way, is amazing. Bouncy Castle, Caracas, so Bounce Everything. <laughs> it's so good. Cool. And the other big amazing thing for me, I'm finally taking some time off. I'm taking, beginning of August, I'm taking five weeks off. Literally <laughs> so five long. weeks. I don't know what I'd do. Be like, the oh, first that, day, I'll nice just sit problem. down and be, like, in this realization, like, what's going on? Yeah, seriously. Like, I mean, like, well, yeah, what I have plans for five weeks? Because in like, five weeks, you can start a new hobby probably and just become very professional at it. Oh, that's inspirational. Maybe well, I should actually, do that. I got it. You're just going to grind Bouncy Castle for five weeks. <laughs> <laughs> for as much as I like that deck, that sounds no, horrible. Yeah. <laughs> like, like getting into another magic deck in those five weeks is about the last thing I want to do. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously, I'm so happy because when, when I look back, like the last time I had real, some real time off was in, in November. And I, I saved up so many days off um, because they carry over to the next year. 
And I think I entered the year with like 52 days off or something. And we need like five for a week. So I still have like over a month of vacation left this year. Now Shit. after I've taken those. Like this is crazy. I'm basically like I can just like quit my job and still get paid for the end of the year. Almost like. <laughs> but <laughs> not really. But yeah, that's I, I desperately needed that. And I'm, I'm so happy that it actually worked out in summer. Because last year I also had to push it back a lot. And I could only take time off in November. Which basically out of all the months in the year. If somebody told you which is the month you don't want time off. Like everybody would pick November, right? It's the right. most. It's, a, it's the saddest month of the year. Yeah, there's know. nothing going on. I hope it's not like any of your birthdays or something, November. It's I've <laughs> I've got three birthdays in November. Yeah, it's close though. It's October. You got three birthdays in November. That's <laughs> wait, yeah, yeah, he was he was born three times. <laughs> yeah, Callum's got three brains, yeah. like one for magic, one for podcasting, and one for magic and for Warhammer. Yeah, <laughs> that's there how we it go. works. Awesome, <laughs> but yeah, I'm, I'm very much looking forward to to that. Something else that I don't know if people are looking forward to, but I think could be actually quite hilarious. Are guys, are you looking forward to putting stickers on your cards? Hell yeah, you are 100% getting a sticker donation from Kinda as well, by the way. Just getting you ready for it. You, you saw that on Twitter, by the way? But because when stickers were announced, and we're going to quickly um, in, in a moment explain what stickers are. When stickers were announced, I didn't know what it was, so I posted one of the sticker cards to Twitter and asked, what is this? And one of the top responses was, this is your next donation deck from Kinda. Nice, nice, <laughs> nice, nice. Get in there straight away. I'm just excited to play with Crocs, uh, Dark, Merktide. Exactly. Right? Is that how it works? I thought we were going to play like with, I don't know, Dark, Dark Confident or something. <laughs> dark, Dark Confident. Oh, ours is yeah. Light Confident. Uh, happy Wheel of Torture. <laughs> <laughs> Cannonball Crush the Week. Actually, Cannonball Crush the Week doesn't work because it only goes in permanence. Mm. But um, does anyone of you want to explain what it does? Otherwise, I can do it. I mean, I've, I have not seen this sticker before, so I, I, I literally don't know what's going on here. What, what, well, like, I spent two hours at work understanding what stickers is. To today, I've just so. been making yeah. fun of legacy players crying about stickers. Wait, oh, ruining this, this the format. Like, so. actual, I don't actually actual, know what it does. Actual stuff you put in your cards for, for real? Yeah, yeah, you put stickers on your cards. It's going to come, yeah. Kai. But you yeah, can what? only put stickers on your own cards. Dude, I mean, what is this? Like elementary school or what? I can't. <laughs> I want to quote elementary school. I want to quote Adam Wallace here. I can't wait to put stickers stickers of dicks on all your reserve list cards. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the way this works is there's a new unset coming out, you know, unglued, unhinged. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, now we, I think it was even unfunctional or something. Now we have infinity. And the way this works is um, stickers are literally stickers. They are literally stickers that you can put on non-land permanents. So where do the stickers come from? They come from sticker sheets. At the beginning of the game, you come to the game with 10 different sticker sheets and you randomly select three of those at the beginning of the game. So how do you get those stickers on your cards? It's a just it's a very it's just an effect. Like I don't know, destroy target creature instead the card might say put a sticker on a creature. And that means you get to put one of those stickers from the sticker cards onto that creature now this can do a whole different lot of things it can either just change the name by putting something like dark in front of it or happy or dead like dead lanova elves i don't know squirrel what have you uh cannonball goblin charbelcher you that's just a name change which might be relevant in like corner cases like pithing needle i guess like or just <laughs> chase the mindscape that gets around pithing needle all of a sudden oh god the other stickers are purely <laughs> cosmetic. There's like cosmetic stickers. You can put like a funny hat on your Tarmogoy. <laughs> it's actually quite hilarious. <laughs> I want to see that come up in a legacy game. And that, that's quite cosmetic. 
now there's a second thing going on and that is a new currency so we you guys probably know um energy you know like yeah, two energy yeah, yeah. standard you could gain energy from cards like some cards said hey gain two energy gain three energy now we have the very same thing but it's called tickets so you can save up a bunch of tickets through effects on cards and then you can trade those tickets whenever a card allows you to for certain effects for example here's one you can put double exalted on a creature for two tickets so if you have a um a card that says hey gain two tickets then put a sticker on one of your cre uh, cards you could use those two tickets and put exalted twice on it has to be a non-land permanent so let's say you put it on noble hierarch all of a sudden it has like triple exalted in the text for three man infects is going to be busted with this <laughs> <laughs> damn okay and so, it's uh, kind of, the, it's, so it's kind of like a store, isn't it? It's, like, like, it's kind of like a store, yeah. And at the beginning of the match, you randomly select three of the sticker sheets out of the ten that there are. So every game is going to be slightly different because you can never guarantee that you're going to get the same um, uh, the same stickers. Because if there's ever going to be like a sheet that's overpowered, there's only like a 33% of chance uh, that, that you would get that sticker sheet for that particular game. So this is where the min-max legacy players are like... So, do I have to bring all 10 sticker sheets in my deck box to play Legacy to bluff them not playing with any sticker cards? <laughs> and I just don't know what to say to that. It's, it's, it's dungeons all over again. Like They're like, so I have to bring 16 sideboard cards now? I need to bring every dungeon in my deck box? No, you don't. You don't have to do anything. These cards are not good. Marrow has straight up said they're all bad. There's no way they'll be played in Legacy. Of course, you're going to have Kinder donating your deck list. And you're going to have some streamers or like people playing them because it's funny and silly. And Magical Online is never going to be able to implement this, I'm sure. Like I was going to say, that's probably like the yeah. biggest challenge. I mean, they can't, actually yeah, they, can't even handle, they can't even handle the dice, so yeah. No, no. I, uh, I'm going to save my rant, but I just think people getting wound up about this is ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, you, you actually get me really excited now because I, I want to have like that funny hat on my Tarmogoyf and Magic Online. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, it's ridiculous. It's so harmless. It's so it's it's just silly and funny and it's not going to change your life right. at all. I think it's like it, it's even more funny that you mentioned Tarmogoyf because I haven't <laughs> seen Tarmogoyf in literally like a year or so. Yeah, in, in, what's in, that card format. Yeah, what that do? <laughs> <laughs> it pro probably a bulky. It will rise again eventually. Who knows? Maybe. I know um, we, could, uh, we could put a top hat on Radgavan. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Sir, can I please see the top card of your library? Oh, yes, I will take that. I will take thank that, you thank you. May I? By the way, to, to complete the rules part of it, um, those stickers stay on while it changes public zone. So if it goes to the graveyard or I don't know where else, um, exile, whatever, they stay on. But if they go back to your hand or into your deck, uh, they come off. And apparently they're like made from this kind of stickery thing. So you can like pull them off and put them back again without it like really sticking to the card. And I guess most people would use sleeves anyway. It's like one of those things that we actually used in primary school, right? It's actually in the rules. You can't use sleeves with these. Wait, are you kidding me? Oh, really? You have to put them on the physical card? No way, no way, no way. Of course I'm joking. Dude, <laughs> dude! That was way too easy. Dude, this, is, this is the first time I, if I would uh, like, actually triple sleeve my deck. Yeah, just like, to absolutely make sure that they don't touch my cards. It uh, takes forever to get, the stick, to get the card out of the triple sleeve. And put I wonder the, if there's the going to be... I wonder if there'll be a card that lets you put stickers on your opponent's cards. I think they would never do that. They should. Like, that's just like such a big thing. Like, 
especially like in the US, I really noticed like a big difference that even if you just want to touch your opponent's cards mm -hmm. for anything, it's like you have to really ask for it and be very careful. Yeah. And I guess that's probably similar yeah. in Japan. Like only in Europe, you're like yeah, you savages. And we just like grab the card and read so, it and put it back. I'm just going to go to Luke. Can I take your deck with me? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let, let me check it out. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> But I, I think from what I understand, like the, the idea behind it is that the unsets apparently always sell horribly because the only thing that, that really sticks around is, are the basic lands. Uh, but now you, I guess, have some kind of extra value beyond the draft of it because otherwise, like, people, they would sit in, like, I literally have 60 copies, I think 100 copies of, I think, fat ass, just like <laughs> that, that or, or badass or something like a donkey from unhinged in, in one of my binders i actually can't believe they collected those at one point but they never do anything but now you technically have cards and unsets that are constructed playable in like probably commander right that's the only way where i really see them doing a thing that's right yeah. yeah yeah probably like flavor commander or whatever like whatever is like power level four or lower uh, yeah. i don't know <laughs> yeah i yeah i doubt it's, yeah i mean to be honest, like so, as much as I just ragged on people, like getting annoyed about this, I kind of get the whole like, why can't you just say that they're not leagues and legacy and vintage? Like, just leave us alone. I, I get that as well. It's like, <laughs> it is, it is silly and it's just so unnecessary to be legal. And if it's not going to be, like, so the the idea is, eternal is this encapsulating thing where the rules of commander are. It's said to be it's an eternal format, and then you have your own band list. So. They're saying this is leg legal and legacy and vintage just to keep it simple from a rules perspective, to have no ambiguity. So the reason these aren't actual silverboard cards is because they're not usually legal in EDH, and so it stops you having to like ask a playgroup if you can play them. So it it, st it stops any kind of like rule zero discussion. So they are absolutely uh. aimed at Commander. So that's the reasoning behind it. Marrow has said that on Twitter and his his blog and stuff. And then he's also said in his blog he's like they're not intended for legacy at all. Like from a a power perspective like he's basically said they're all really bad it's just going to be the people that are messy around because they're funny and stickers that's going to play them in these formats yeah i think the the big thing about them is that the cards that actually enable you to use them right the ones that have the effect put a sticker on your card or giving you tickets from what we've seen thus far they're horrible they're completely unplayable that's like yeah. some five five mana garbage or something it's probably going to be similar to the dungeon stuff where we had the same outcry before where the absolute best dungeon card is like a three mana three three that when ETBs or attacks you enter into the dungeon. And then there's the combo card in Aluren, but like the dungeon thing just doesn't matter at all. You don't even need to have a dungeon. You just need to say, I play this a thousand times and you die. Yeah. Like, so. oh, by the way, you also don't need to actually have two real stickers. You can also represent the stickers with um, a sheet of paper. Cool, yeah. So I guess if it ever comes up in your match that your opponent donates you one of those creatures that let you <laughs> use that mechanic, then you can literally just have, like write down all 10 dungeon names of 10 sheets of paper and then roll a dice and select three and it's going to take forever and then the game is a draw. Okay, <laughs> this this is a brilliant idea for, for Kinder's donation. It needs to be a donate deck where you put a bunch of stickers on the thing and then donate it to your opponent. <laughs> there we go. Oh man, yeah, we, we figured it out. We should get, be working get, for visits. If there's one that like puts stickers on enchantment, played Illusions of Grandeur, put a sticker in it and gives it give it to your opponent. Like a time bomb on it or something. Flavor wise. Great. Happy illusions of grandeur. Yeah. Words as illusions. Oh, that's flavorful. Those <laughs> are dark illusions of grandeur. <laughs> can, can you actually uh, actually yeah, you, you should be able to, to, to combine many of them. Mm. Dead, Urza's, Corpse, something. Happy Dance of the Dead. <laughs> Happy Squirrel Dance of the Dead. Yeah, that, that's probably going to be the biggest meme. Yeah. Something like that. Finding funny combinations. Yeah. Cool. 
going back into the competitive world uh actually combining flavor and competitiveness because this as far as i'm aware is by far the most flavorful legacy tournament series to have ever existed and kai why don't you tell us a little bit about the 20 legacy god of legacy Oh no. <laughs> oh no! I fucked it up. The legacy yeah. god of legacy, no. Yeah, with the twentieth god of legacy tournament in Tokyo for the twentieth time, the national worldwide god of legacy has been crowned. With extra legacy. With extra legacy <laughs> sprinkled on top, yeah. <laughs> Kai, Kai, tell us about it. So, uh, what exactly is yeah. this? So, um, I've mentioned this um this tournament series um I think a couple of um episodes. Before, but um, this is basically the biggest tournament series in Japan. It happens uh, in Tokyo for the most part, and it is called um, the the God of Legacy, the God of Modern. There's the God of Standard and Pioneer, um, Standard uh, Limited, and also for Commander because um, Japanese like to play competitive Commander. Anyway, this so this um, tournament happens um, four four times a year, once per season, and we can like count between like 100 and 300 player every single time depending on the format like in vintage you, you don't quite reach the, the 100 but yeah you know like you have like about 60 to 80 players which i think is, is super rad um because like you know it's like a power nine format and for for uh, for legacy it's always between 130 and 200 i want to say this time around we had 157 players and uh it's Dude, it's amazing. Like it's it's like it's it's a eight to nine round tournament. Um, it's a top eight. It has a coverage. It has like player profiles, deck lists up to top sixteen. And if you take down the tournament, then you get on the next day you get to uh, battle against the current god of that format in a best of five. Obviously, with this is some anime shit. This yeah, is like serious. <laughs> with, uh, obviously, with, with, with some with, uh, again, like it's like streamed on YouTube. Uh, there's again like uh, some some interviews uh, before and after the match. Talks about the players and also about the decks, about legacy in general. And uh, there's also like a lot of prize money. So whoever becomes the, the new god of legacy gains first of all has free entry to all tournaments uh, provided by Hararuya doesn't matter which Hararuya store because they, I think they are like about like 15, I think they are like 15 stores uh, in Japan and um, so any any event doesn't matter which format until you lose that title right and also you can uh, you get a prize money of about I think it's like 10k or something I I, I, I have to like I have to, I have are to, we talking US dollars or, or yen oh it must be US dollars uh wait I think it's, Wait, yen would be too little. No, I think it's oh no no no, just uh, it's probably like one k US dollars maybe. Oh, okay, I, okay. I, I, yeah, I, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta look that up, but because I've never, I've never been the god, but um, oh, you haven't. Oh, get off the podcast, man! Callum, <laughs> <laughs> we shall become gods. Dude, oh yeah. I was, I was in the finals once, but I was too nervous, and I, you know, just. Oh. You, you, anyway. you were in the finals of um of the the candidates tournament or the exactly. Actual? No, not not the actual god, but to uh, to become the new the new candidate for the god. And um, literally, this is literally the chess world championship format. Pretty much, I I like it a lot. And like, if so, if it, um, to anyone who wants to visit Japan, if you happen to be in Japan during that time, please join. It is incredible. You have you have probably not seen a tournament series this professional ever, because it all happens in at the Haruya Tournament Center, which again is a three hundred seat competitive like player 
how, how do you say it? like uh, yeah like a, like a tournament you, center like right so it's like it's it's not like they they, they rent like so some 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 lame ass i don't know library or so some you know so some uh, so some other location it's it's like properly made up on um, the all, all the all the chairs are brand new the the tables are super nice there's a feature match area like a proper one on a stage they, I don't know, they have like 10 buying counters. They have a lot of like PCs where you can order cards from. You, you can also watch the current uh, featured area, I think, on, on, on like several displays. It's it's amazing. They even have like a, a smoker area. So um, it's pretty good. I'm so jealous. <laughs> yeah. This is so crazy. You know what? We, we, we talked about this, right? We should really go there and, and like record a vlog or something like to really bring this to more people because I, I, until yeah. you told me about this, I, I, I didn't even have like the remote, most remote idea of, of what's going down there. This, right. is, this is absolutely Wait, crazy. Yeah, didn't you mention that you, you got five t uh, five weeks off? I don't know if Japan is... Actually, I think Japan quickly opened, then everybody got COVID, and now, now I'm not sure about what's going on. But yeah, I, I hear yeah. they have like, a really bad situation Yeah, right now. Numbers, numbers are pretty terrible right now. But <laughs> um, the, the next, So the next legacy, God of Legacy, well, might be in November... No, in October, probably. I, I, gotta, I gotta see about that, but... um. Yeah, we will. We will. We will. Def we have to go, Julian. Like seriously, though, and also Callum. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Let's do it. If, if you're not busy playing Warhammer, I think yeah. you, you were talking about like January or February next year, but we we will figure it out. Right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, this let's, is so uh, badass. Yeah. Let's uh, let's dive into the uh, the players and the deck list, shall we? Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Um, I see in first place after Swiss Andy Ryo, and. Uh, mm -hmm. I could be absolutely wrong, but I thought I've seen that guy in Beijing at the Beijing Olaf and his well, prefecture says China, so <laughs> that that's where he's from. He's 26 years old. He plays, it's called, it's called Timor Midrange, but I, I almost want to say I've seen him at the Beijing Olaf in, in the past, but I could be wrong, but yeah. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, so um, so during the interviews, he, uh, he mentioned that uh, he is from, he's from Beijing and uh, he started Magic in 2019. And before huh? that, he played. Uh, I think he played Yu-Gi-Oh. Is what he said on the interview. And um, like for because like he, he was. I think he was like the the only Chinese player at the tournaments. So for the interview, they uh, organized a, a translator for like Japanese Ooh, uh, Chinese, nice. which I think was like another right. You know, like just big thing they did. But yeah, he got into and I think he got into Legacy just yeah just really recently and and picked picked up this deck. I think designed by Max Torsion, if I'm not. Oh, mistaken. is it really? I think if I'm not mistaken here, because I think I've I've seen it on on his Twitter. Yeah, that's, a bunch, that's right. Right. Mm -hmm. So so his deck is um, a teamer mid range deck. Uh, it has a lot of similarities to uh, regular Bruet Delver, but it's a little. It has a little more fat to it. Um, <laughs> so uh, it plays Rangray Chandler, Ledger Shredder, three copies, and uh, the Mokdad region. But in addition, you see. Um, two brazen borrowers and three copies of uro so it's a little slower it doesn't play any copies of days but you do see a spell pierce in the in the main deck alongside two copies of maddening hex and andy mentioned that maddening hex was like throughout the day throughout the swiss it was bonkers but that card was in just insane yeah i can imagine I can absolutely imagine. I've played a lot of Blue Red ever recently, and a lot of games they turn into this big grind fest, right? Because nobody can ever really attack with Merc Tide because there's like I don't know six or seven uh, blue uh, red blasts flying all over the place. So eventually you just like try to grind your opponent out. And if you ever could land like a maddening hex, and I mean people are siding out Force of Worlds left and right, right? So if you ever land the maddening hex, which can't be Pyroblast, that should be like a huge upside. Right. 
Yeah, it's probably um, just game over. If they don't find like a, a blue blast, maybe if there's one. I don't know. Yeah, that, it's such a weird situation, right? Because nobody ever does that because Maddening Hex is not a matching online right now. So that there's less incentive to even have blue blasts, even though we see them creeping up again, even on Magic Online these days. But this, I think this might be the biggest difference between Magic Online and Paper Magic in something like, I don't know, over 10 years. Like, I remember when we still didn't have, like, a lot of the early assets on Magic Online where it was, like, not really legacy. But ever since we've gotten almost full legacy, this is the biggest discrepancy we've ever ever experienced. Yeah, mm. it's an interesting spot. It's totally unprecedented. Like, But I have a feeling there's been enough pressure on Twitter and stuff that they will add it eventually. And poor Rapper Cheap. Rapper Cheap wants some, like, other curses. Uh, I think he wants some <laughs> yeah. three mana curse to, to be put in Magic Online, but I have a feeling Maddening Hex is, is going to be the one that's going to hit yeah. Magic Online. Yeah, that and Minsk and Boo. Yeah. yeah Minsk and Boo is another big one, right? Did, yeah. Didn't you actually right. see that? Yeah, he, he has two, two copies of those on the sideboard. Yeah. Right. That card is really good as well. Yeah, and uh, so Andy was playing against uh, world champion uh, Yuta Takahashi in the semifinals, who... Um, who chose an interesting, like, a little, I want to say a little old-fashioned band control deck. We haven't really seen a lot of band recently, but it's it's pretty stock almost. And Minsk and Boo was incredible in that match. So, so um, Andy defeated Yuta Takahashi in a pretty grindy, you know, like, Uro-ish mirror. But Minsk and Boo just, just you know, just did its job and um, couldn't get countered, slipped through, drew too many cards, and, uh, yeah, ran away uh, with the game. Yeah, there's, the, the there's no... There's no actual real answer apart like i'm looking at yuta's list and he doesn't even have a fourth color just to cast prismatic okay uh prismatic ending for four so yeah once it sticks it's just yeah just there it's abysmal right yeah yeah i'm so like it took to quickly mention the the top eight deck lists we might we don't have to go like through everything but uh it's so andy liang on uh he called the deck rock all stars because he like he said every <laughs> every single card in the deck is pretty good like there's like no bad cards Rock spell pierce. Uh, 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 it's okay. The rest, uh, the rest, I'll give. The rest, I'll give. Well, meltdown's yeah. not very good either, but yeah. I guess like yeah, like like a one off spell pierce is kind of odd. Isn't yeah, it? I mean, it probably had its moments, but the rest is good. Honestly, right. like to to me, that construction wise, this feels like one of those slots where you feel like, oh, this could be almost anything, and I'm putting in something that's very widely applicable. And then it always gets, not always, but often gets cited out for the more impactful spell that could fill that slot. Right. Yeah. I, okay. I would think so, at least. Yeah. Uh, on second place, we do have Doomsday uh, by Morizaki Yuki. Um, I gotta say, I'm not a huge fan of, of this deck in particular because it is Grixis and it plays a few, like, quote-unquote, unnecessary cards. Like it, For example, it does play a one-off Fatal Push in the sideboard and a one-off Disfigure. And I, I just can't think of any scenario where this is uh you know where this does something i i don't know like maybe is there like I'm a five minor creature that you want to disfigure or something i don't know yeah <laughs> not 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 really sure but i mean it, it's still doomsday after all doomsday is very powerful and i'm happy to see that on the on the third place we have a matsubara a yusuke on blue red delva uh pretty stock i think at this point and um, but also like matting hex in the sideboard on so there's a mountain in the sideboard as well, which is interesting. But yeah. Oh yeah. Oh come so, on. Oh come on. Oh yeah. On. Anyway. And and now and now <laughs> <laughs> fourth place is one of my one of my best buddies from Tokyo. Um, Kud um Kuriyama. You know. Um, he's he's damn. He can he can drink so much beer. He's probably like one one, 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 one of he's pro probably like one of the because like we always go out drinking after tournaments, right? And he he nice. can drink so much beer. It's 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 insane. What really. does he mean like in Japan? Like what does so much I mean, beer mean? 
I mean, two beers. That, that's, that's oh, that's a, crazy. Right? <laughs> <laughs> that's the guy who literally had two beers in his entire life. Yeah. Honestly, this, his list is actually really interesting. I've never seen anything like it. This is cool. Yeah. So this is our this is our Teamer sneak show. Basically, blue red, um blue red sneak show is is pretty common, I think. But he went for expressive iterations instead of preordains. And there's also a light green uh, splash for Veil of Summer and Carpet of Flowers. There's also a collector oof in the sideboard. I think this, uh, this deck is really interesting. Um, it plays a couple of Furies also in the sideboard, which I also like because you can pitch additional uh, sneak attacks to it. And, you know, just, um, I don't know, nuke um, nuke the board like, if, if you're playing against like Elves or something like that. I guess that matchup is already good, but, you know. Fury, Fury is like just incredible in the format, especially with decks with Ancient Tombin. You you hard cast these a lot and a 3-3 double strike is no joke in Legacy. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 It's a little awkward that it trades with endurance, but uh, I guess that's fair. Okay, I mean it's you know. I mean, yeah, it also ECBs and yeah. kills the endurance. It's elemental for yeah. elemental. Okay. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right. And um, on fifth place, we do have world champion Yuta Takahashi. I had to smile a little bit because in the pro and player profiles, it said like previous accomplishments, and then everyone goes like, "Yeah, Magic Online 5.0, uh, Friday Night Magic 3.0, you know, ha ha ha." And then Yuta Takahashi goes like, "World champion." Yes. You know? <laughs> End of the line. <laughs> Yuta's one champion of my abs- of the universe. absolute favorite like pro players ever to watch and. Look at his deck lists and fairies. It's just so yeah. cool. So it's and so cool. quite often, like in legacy tournaments as well, right? Yeah, he yeah. he was he had a stint of like six months. It felt like where he was yeah. streaming legacy and vintage challenges every weekend, and it was just yeah, awesome absolutely. to watch. I, I read his uh, article after after he finished this uh, this tournament because like what he does is writing like a like an after aftermath um, article about the deck he played at a big tournament. So he picked a band. Uh, a band control deck, pretty classic. Uh, there's no Sylvan Library, but there are Life from the Loams, and there is, uh, what's it called, a Feel of the Dead, um, alongside Uro, Snapcaster, and uh, Endurance. And um, a one of each, Narset, Teferi, and Jace, the Mind Sculptor. Um, af- after, yeah, so after the play um, tournament, he, he already mentioned that the deck is a little outdated, and the only reason why he picked this deck was that um he wanted to play with carpet of flowers in this tournament that was like the that was like the <laughs> number one thing he wanted to do because so he, first he him he mentioned that he wanted to play brewer delver but he couldn't find a tool that beats the mirror he couldn't really like find anything and he really wanted to have like an edge against blue red delver and then he was look and and then he mentioned that the only card that costs one mana that Del- um, Delver decks would probably force is a carpet of flowers, so um, so that was like his number one reason to go for carpet of flowers. And the second reason why I picked this deck was um he didn't want it to, his opponents to have carpet of flowers, so I uh, <laughs> so uh, that that's why he chose if you prismatic. Can beat them, pr- them. Yeah, yeah, pr- like prismatic ending, right? So prismatic ending and carpet of flowers was basically all he wanted to do uh, this tournament. That's fascinating. So good to know because there here he is with four carpets in the sideboard making that statement uh, i guess we should be playing more card with flowers if he says so he's he's gonna be right yeah maybe that's the future of Dava. splash green for carpet of flowers <laughs> i don't think so but yeah <laughs> and then time will go after finding a return i i could see like really just building around that like there's two in um the first place list andy's list uh-huh. maybe you're meant to play more and like i don't know if this deck actually needs the help versus delver looks pretty good but maybe that's a approach to it yeah, totally. totally. Also, also, oh, I mean, also, there's like a lot of green pitch spells, right? So, so if you ever 
you know, draw draw cupboard of flowers you don't need, which I don't think is very likely to happen. But you know, you never know. There are still force of vigors and endurance. You know, yeah, always, so always he has two so. force of vigor in the sideboard, and then one endurance sideboard and two main decks. So yeah, exactly. Yeah, I guess you would only really pitch them to endurance against Sava because there's not like real reason to bring in force of vigor. Even though I guess it's your only out against against maddening hex almost, uh, other than like Teferi bounce. Or I guess in this deck you also have prismatic ending, of course. Yeah, yeah, remember, yeah remember you also the card have that kills everything. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, he has hydroblast as well. Yeah, this yeah. guy. Like we say, this deck is outdated, but this man is from the future. Yeah, <laughs> outdated archetype, but updated list. <laughs> best, yeah. best. That's, I mean, that's... he he's clearly made a decision not to play red here because my immediate until I saw the name Yutsutaka Ashi, and then you said an outdated list. I was like, yeah, it kind of is like banned. Like he's not even updated it to have red in, but like he's made the decision not to have pyroblasts. Yeah, at least he right. has wasteland still, right? One of the things was that that you you always felt awkward when they had Caracas and you had Uro. You could still just mm. like spend so much money on like drawing extra cards, but eventually. Wouldn't really get you anywhere, but now that you've like wasteland, you can hope actually attack with Uro and maybe win the game that way, or yeah. in the long run also grind them out with field. But I always felt like when when you have these base bond Uro archetypes, then you either add red just to become more powerful, or you add wastelands, which is something unerected for a long time, and and fight the Caracas. I, I like it. Still it. sucks when you have surgical, of course, but yeah. Yeah, but like this is that's a really good point. So it's a way to beat the Caracas with Uro and stuff. But then it's also an inevitability against Elva where you have these wastelands, which sometimes you could just cheese a win, but like the inevitability of lone plus wasteland against Elva, it's reminds me of like the end game of Miracles with top and counterbalance where eventually you'll get the board clearer and then they just never resolve a spell again. This feels like a another inevitable um reality that they'll be like okay eventually you're going to get wastelanded out so you actually put this like even though you're playing the control role you do put an, an end to like how far they can keep grinding and trying this, this deck has 101 written all over it <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh cool he should yeah. just have no sideboard and win every match right. one <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh so that was our fifth place um the there is uh quite still quite a lot of spice in the in the rest of the top Eight mm-hmm. and sixteen, even and sixth place, we do have Mono Red Prison by um, Ikida. Ikida Kun. Ikida is also um, one of my closest friends uh, in Japan. He has been playing Mono Red Stompy for I think the past six years or seven years, and he has top aided this God of Legacy event I think four or five times. It's actually Damn. quite insane. And but how always, much beer can he drink? Uh, not a lot, actually. He go, he go, he starts with sake immediately. Nice. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, his deck list is. Pretty pretty nice. I I, I like it a lot. Uh, it plays the the four copies of Furies, which we mentioned already. Is like you know just a really really good card to have uh, in in mono red decks these days, alongside the Fable of the um, Mirror Breaker. Yep, I think that's like a staple in these these stumpy decks. It's just incredible. But it, the rest is cool. Like so, so he has no Legion War Boss. So there's some other three drops in there, which is interesting. Right. Um, two Layla the Blade Reforged, which I absolutely love this card. In in the tournament I played with Painter, actually, I, I played against Moonstompy in the quarters and had an insanely, like, like my heart was beating fast, close close match against it. And they had Layla's, I think, two or three, and she was incredibly impressive. Can, so, you, can you quickly mention what she does? Because she's basically a vintage card, right? Yeah, true. So it's a three mana, two, two. So it's two and a red. So it's pretty good to cast with your soul lands as well. Two, two, haste. And whenever she attacks, you exile the top card of your library. And until the end of your turn, you can cast that card. 
Oh, actually, I think it's play that card, so you can play lands as well. You may play, yeah, play. Yeah, and whenever a card gets exiled from your library, I think I'm, I'm going off memory here because I don't have it in front of me. She gets a one-one counter. So being haste, she like attacks, gets you some value with the card exiled, and is a three-three immediately. And then this deck puts on so much pressure. Like just so many things that you have to answer. If she goes unchecked for a couple of turns, she's drawing extra cards. She becomes five, five, six, six. Like it's a really fast clock. Right. Yeah. So, so uh, so uh, this deck was also in the finals. Uh, lost to Timur, but the game uh, we, we won with um Bono Red was basically Lailia and Lailia only became a four four, and then you know it couldn't I couldn't get bolted, and then kind of ran ran away with the game. Yeah. Amazing. And yeah, I, I'm always like a little bit, I, I'm not a Monored Stompy expert at all, so there's probably some good reasons, but I'm always a little bit surprised there's not a couple of these. She just seems like, I mean, there's Caracas, I guess, and it does get bolted straight away, but as do all the other creatures get bolted. So that's why you play Chalice. And the other <laughs> actually, one... You know what I love? I love that this deck pays a lot more respect to its origins, right? The Dragon Stompy origin. We're not trying to be more of a, of a prison deck than we already are with like Blood Moon and Chalice. Like we're not doing any of the other prison elements. Like no... No ensnaring bridge, no Trinity Sphere. It's just like we got these eight pieces of disruption, and then we fucking beat you in the face. Right. This is it's a it's a trend we've seen for a while now. So like, yeah, they, they've gone away from Trinity Sphere and Magus and stuff, and it's just a really aggressive deck as well. So sometimes you're playing a deck and you're like, all right, I've got an answer for the Chalice with my Prismay on the ending. Um, I can I've got fetches to fetch for basics against Blood Moon, and then you've got like turn one Rabmaster, turn two Rabmaster. You're like, wow, I'm I'm dead. Yeah. Next turn, it's just. Yeah. yeah, it's Absolutely. so aggressive. And like now having, so this player has th uh, three dead guns. So like good for Delver, like bouncing a creature mm -hmm. and Marit Lage and um, Bone Crusher Giants, four of them and four Furies. That's a ton of removal. Like this deck will kill creatures. So right. yeah, yeah, it's it's like a mid-range deck that Chalice and Blood Moon can just cheese people. But it's absolutely, I think, a aggressively slanted mid-range deck to me. Yeah, pretty much. Like in the sideboard, we do we do see five pyroblasts, uh, four pyroblasts and a, and a retinent blast, which and I four more. It, sorry to interrupt you there. And four more fury confluence. This deck like hates creatures. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Man. Uh, yeah, uh, we do see uh, some of the more of Trinisphere and um, uh, the Sorcerer's Spyglass alongside a, sing uh, a single copy of Chandra. Because I, I know that Ikidakun, uh, he, he really likes Chandra. He's a really big Chandra fan, but this deck, main deck at least, does really fit a Chandra. So I think this is more like a, you know, like a cosmetic slot, I think, in a sideboard, <laughs> maybe. Okay. I respect, he's, you know. he's known for, for being Mr. Chandra. Yeah, I think he also has everything foiled out and, you know, just... Of course. You know, you got to do what you got to do. Like, you know, if you happen to top eight, then uh, you might... You know, I mean, if you want to become the next god of legacy, that's yeah. just, like, what, what's, what it takes. If this was some kind of, like, Rocky montage where he's training, like, in Magic, it would be, like, the guy running through the stars trying to find all the basic lands and foil, like, everything needs to be foil, and, yeah, that's... That's how I, I, I would make a magic movie. I know the finalists had an all-foil Moonstumpy deck as well. Well, the, the previous god, I should say. Oh, damn. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, seven plays. We do have another um, another Delva deck. Um, this It has a one-off. It has a one-off. I got to look this on. This is Sailor's Bane, which I think is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Okay. <laughs> but no, no, they top eight, and I'm not in the top eight of the God of Legacy. So right. it's... okay. It's, do you have the card in front of you? Yeah, I got oh, yeah, the card. I so it, it, it's ahead. a dragon turtle. It's seven colorless and two blue, seven, seven. And it costs one less to cast for each card you own in exile and in your graveyard. That's an instant card, a sorcery card. 
or that has an adventure. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So I guess if what's the Yeah, maybe? for example, if if it has an adventure, um, that's also one less. So on average, let's say it's co- it costs five less, so it's like four mana seven seven. And it has ward four, so this is like the the poor man's version of uh, Kappa Cannonier, I would say. Ah, but this Delver deck list uh, runs three copies of Brazen Borrower, so that is an adventure card. Okay, right? you. you, you <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I'm just saying, right? Yeah. I, I guess that's. I'm the, still not the, excited. Okay. <laughs> I can draw all your three copies of Brazen Borrower. <laughs> <laughs> no, I guess, I guess the way you would get it to like land is like a, a big end game thing. Like this thing could almost give you inevitability because it costs like at least five mana to remove. Uh, yeah. I, I'm I'm not seeing it, especially if you have it like any time in the first couple of turns. It's like even more dead than than Merktide Regent, and unless right. Merktide Regent doesn't even have like it can't fly like, or it's basically yeah. like your fifth copy of Merktide Regent. I almost want to say because it's like there's a pretty cool harmony going on, right? Merktide puts stuff into exile, and then you can cast Sailor Spain for cheap later on. Yeah. So I, I see the idea. It's like not stupid or anything. Um, it, it maybe maybe like, it's actually good, but I don't know. Maybe it has like some 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 true name um, vibe on it. You know, it's just like. Being a yeah, little sticky, maybe. But it, it's, it doesn't have any evasion. It's just like... Is evasion still needed in Legacy? Like, nobody plays Young Paramancy. Yeah, anymore. it is. The reason Delver is so good because everything flies. That's you, true. Can't, you can't block it. Like, if Mukta right. didn't have flying, it, we wouldn't even be close to discussing it being banned or too That's good. good. Or That's a good point. Yeah. Oh, maybe, yeah, maybe this creature is just supposed to be a blocker, maybe. In a way, maybe it never. Wait, 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 Kai, Kai, you, okay, you, okay, you, okay, you okay, had a little I, bit too many DLCs. Okay, 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 okay. I, I, I've, I've literally no idea. Okay, Motag is the best blocker in the format. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Why, uh, actually, why doesn't Delver play like Wall of Ice? That would be a good blocker. Yeah. yeah. Isn't it like 08 or something? <laughs> it's an 07 for three. 07, 07, not good enough. <laughs> Damn, Julian, come on, Wall of Ice. Dude, I, I was always like more of a Wall of Essence guy. I, I adored that uh, card back in oh, school. Yeah. I like Wall of Reverence. Cool. Okay. I'm also Enter- searching Wall of Ice just in case I got it wrong and everyone makes fun of me. But yeah. <laughs> okay. Oh, On, uh... I got it completely wrong. It's not even a card. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> I'm thinking of Glacial Wall. What an idiot. Okay. I'm, I'm getting kicked off the cast. What's your favorite card? Oh, this card doesn't even exist. Kind of. Oh, <laughs> it's probably That's like a Warhammer it. card or something. Uh, it's still my, still my favorite. <laughs> it sounds like I would like it. Wall of Reverence. Uh, okay. So... Wall is the best wall. Yeah. There we go. Uh, yeah, let's let's round this uh this one up with another Monoir Prison. This time around, it is not an aggressive build. It is exactly the opposite, right? Yeah, this is so, so the, different. This is like the, they're both Monoir Red Stompy, but they're so different. Right. So, well, yeah, what do we see, Callum? Um, maybe you can walk us through this. this we thing. have six creatures essentially. Like, there's four Seeming Spirit Guides, but they're not creatures. It's four Rebmaster because I guess Rebmaster is too good, and then two Furies, and then it's it is going massively into what we just mentioned that the other deck is not. It's a heavy heavy prison deck. So it has. Four Chalice, it has three Instaring Bridge, four Blood Sun. Wait, no Blood Moon? Blood okay. Sun, Blood Sun. No, you don't have yeah. Blood Sun, uh, Blood Moon, because you nope. have Growth of the Burn Willows for the right. Punishing Fire Engine. Cool, makes sense. This game. Okay, cool. And so then it has two Chandra Torture Defiance, four Khan the Great Creator, and one Chandra Awakened Inferno, which is the six mana, can't be counted one. And then, as Julian just mentioned, it has four Groves and four Punishing Fires. And it has four Fable of the Mirror Breaker um, to round out, and then Shadow Skull Smashings, Chrome Moxes, Seaman Spirit Guides, eight Soul Lands, and four Mountains to round out for your mana. Yeah, guys, this is like Incinerium Bridge, Khan, proper control. I usually see Trinosphere's in this kind of build, so I, I, I don't know the deck building like well enough. There's two Trinosphere's in the sideboard, but I think if you're going like more prison build, you often see Trinosphere's, but I guess it doesn't play great with Punishing Fire. 
Yeah, at that point, you're, you're basically like almost paying four mana for your Punishing Fire. It doesn't feel mm. great. I, I don't know. I think a lot of these prison decks, they don't really play a lot of Trinisphere anymore. I think we'd have to like mm. dive deeper into why why the card doesn't feel as good anymore. Uh, but that, that's probably like a whole topic in itself. I guess like the idea is that your opponent just plays a Merc Tide and then smacks in the face <laughs> a couple of times. <laughs> and then you can't play your Chrome Mox to like cast your important thing or something. Oh, dude. You, you know, this deck actually kind of used to exist um, before even Fury and, and Fable of Mirror Breaker was printed. I think back then the deck actually ran Eldrazi's, like Thought Not Seer and Reality Smasher, because you have a lot of um, colorless sources and you could make. Like, I've seen that deck with mm, the Blood Sun Punishing Fire Engine. Yeah, yeah. It was um, DJ Isma, uh, Magical Line player. I'll take your word for it. <laughs> I promise it was. Yeah, yeah. yeah you, you're the living walking encyclopedia of worldwide legacy players just look at lots of results <laughs> yeah like who's your favorite i don't know some country that doesn't even exist player. you're like oh you know this guy I, i've seen him doing that oh, okay sure <laughs> if callum says so <laughs> well i know i know that player because they were building karuga um stompy when companions came out so there we go I knew that would get no answer. <laughs> <laughs> I absolutely knew that that would be like, what? <laughs> no, what, just, cool. what just happened? Okay, cool. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but this 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 is pretty much the, the top eight of this tournament. I th I think that this to uh, top eight is kind of is, is great, really. Uh, it does play. Uh, there's a little bit of Delver. There's a little bit of combo. There's a little bit of control prison. We got pretty much everything. So. Um, as much as uh, you know, Twitter magic is like kind of hating on legacy sometimes. You know, like shitty comment. I think this top eight is just just great. I totally agree. Like the first place list is, as you said, Max Dorshan's kind of brainchild of like play the good cards dot deck, and but we have two Madney Hex, which is just not something we see on Magic Online, as we explained, and two Minsk in the sideboard, and we just don't see tons of this deck. Like Max has done well, and there's people have done okay at tournaments and stuff, but like taking it down, this is really cool. We haven't really seen too much of this deck, so it's like an interesting deck that played a very big, competitive, prestigious tournament. And then Doomsday is fairly normal, but then even the Delvers, like we see the Madney Hexes and stuff, and then the two Moonstompy things are very different. The Sneaking Show, I find so interesting that I want to jam actually, just see how it is. I could see adding even, even more carpets as a way to just beat it and just hard cast the arc. It's got two Arc of Cruelty as well, which is unusual. And then Band Control, as you said, after we dissected it, it actually like makes a lot of sense to as a Delver killer kind of deck. It's really cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we even have the Sailor's Bane in one of the the Delver decks trying it out. I think Winnie, despite that, is my my guess. But yeah, super cool top eight. Really, really, really interesting. Oh, by the way, there's uh, I, I looked at the top sixteen as well, and I think we're going to link to them in the show notes. Uh, unless Kai, you want to like pick out a deck to to discuss um, here? Yeah, maybe you can just just quickly mention a couple of decks that uh, made it to sure. the top sixteen because Plus, I think like top sixteen in the hundred fifty seven tournament is still you know still definitely um, because that's that's one deck I definitely want to talk about. Okay, <laughs> cool. I've uh, never seen. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So uh, on ninth place we have um, Sekikawa Tsubasa on Ethnosm Tendrils. It's full color. I did the like a grindy version. We have Aluren. Uh, Buck Aluren, and then we have a Salvager combo deck. Yeah. Uh, which also has a companion to it, a Garuda. Oh. <laughs> now now so, you caught Callan's attention. No, no. So this is um, Kanakan. I, I don't know if it's actually him. I don't know his real name, but he is like the Bomberman god, and he plays so many different variations of Bomberman. He's the only person that can deal with all the clicks through, I think. And he <laughs> plays Cut Ribbons, and he plays these Rustfell Bridges. And 
Yes, he has two Den of the Bugbear. Den of the Bugbear is a uh, a win condition with infinite mana as well, and it's just genius. So I think this is this is oh, exactly because you can activate it like so many times and create yeah. like one one tokens every. Oh, you make infinite red mana, activate Den of the Bugbear infinite times, and then attack, and you have infinite one one. Can you imagine like how many clicks oh, there is on Magic Online? That's it's actually so insane. Smart. Yeah, I. I saw it and I was like, okay, that's cool. Like, it's a cool way to like pressure planeswalkers if your opponent has them. It's another Damn. thing. It's like, oh, I see. So this is, I'm pretty sure, card for card, his like latest list he's been playing, and it's just he's he's a genius. He's absolutely incredible at the deck. So if you wow. want to learn about Bombman, follow Kanakan, and I think this is his Let's name because there's yeah there's a K in his first and second name. So, um, but, <laughs> but also, but check this out. Um, there is there are four copies of. Rustvale Bridge. So that is that's one of the newer artifact lands from Modern Horizons 2. It comes into battlefield tapped, indestructible, and adds Boros mana to it. I think I damn that's crazy to see a land like this in Legacy, because I thought it's like a pauper staple only. I've I've copied one of his lists before, which was blue white, and top eighted one of our London tournaments with it actually. And he had four of the blue white one, and I loved them actually. Like coming to play tapped is a real cost, but they can't get wastelanded. Um, so you're often like playing a land, hoping not to get wastelanded, and play around days anyway. So I've loved those those cards uh, when I played them. Okay, so I think it's actually pretty good. <laughs> yeah, and he, he apparently really likes those because he he only plays like one plateau after he's maxed out on those bridges. Like, so Plateau mm-hmm. is just like the, the verse add-on. It's like, okay, I guess there's the Slack card from Alpha. I'm going to include it, but yeah. Rust whatever bridge is where it's at. And then you have Delva, you know, which just adds like a steam vents to, you know, in addition to volcanic <laughs> artists. It's like, dude, like this uh, this guy is like so pro. He's just, you know, like Plateau is my fifth copy of Rustvale Bridge. <laughs> Man, that's a message. Holy this is what you get. This is what you get from Japan. Like I, I love looking at these Japanese deck lists. This it is always Gar- feels like there's Garuda something to learn. As well. What does it actually do with Garuda? I guess the idea is you, you find like Ingenious Smith or Salvagers or, or well, yeah, hitting hitting Salvages is no joke, and also just puts like randomly can put LED or Walking Blister in the graveyard to return if you really have them and stuff. Oh, that's really good too. Yeah, and it's it's just good when you play three LEDs. You just like use the LEDs to get it and cast it and stuff. And you have four caverns to name. Is it Demon, Demon something Kraken? Yeah, I. Like I've I've played uh, Garuda quite a few times when trying these lists out. It, it it all it all just works and makes sense. Anyway, we got to an artifact deck and I got really excited. And I, <laughs> I, I, I love still something to come for you if you like artifact decks. Ooh, I knew it. I haven't looked at yeah. the rest so. Man, but also like I mean, like no talking, yeah. But talking about deck construction, like this deck is so everything in the sideboard is obviously also a two mana card or a four mana card. Like the the Leylands of the Void, which is a four uh, containment priest, Qatar and Qatar commando. Like all those cards uh, are still like in you know in the in the Garuda requirements. Uh, it's beautiful. Yeah, they better be Kai. <laughs> it better be. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. This, this is exciting. The guy is playing by the rules. I can't believe it. <laughs> oh, it's ridiculous. I don't know. You get idiots like me who one time played uh, Gigantha and Painter and then kept Sidey in Pyrokinesis and not revealing it. And my opponent's like, did you forget to reveal your companion? Like, it's not too late. It's fine. I'm like, no, no, no. I haven't revealed it. <laughs> uh, okay. You should be like, oh, no, sorry. I'm, I'm holding myself to high standards. I'm, I forgot to reveal it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, yeah, cool. cool. Yeah, on 12th place, we do have um, another Sneak Show deck. That This one is rather common, maybe. Uh, it plays, you can um, say it, boring. Yeah, yeah. well, there's Omniscience. There's a one of Brazen Borrow in the deck. Um, there's an Archon of Fruity as well. Yeah. Um, yeah uh, you guys, you don't have to try and make it better. It's okay, cool. boring. 
cool. It's boring. Okay, cool. Still, there's still fury in the sideboard. Okay, cool. Leave it that much. Uh, um, no, you have me. Thirteenth <laughs> place, we do have a uh, Death Shadow. Another deck I think we can be really excited about because this is um, alongside the, um, Lura Delva. This is like another interesting tempo um, strategy. You know, like pretty potent in Legacy, a combo killer, of course. Uh, a little weak to Souls of Plowshares deck in general, but um, well, you know, yeah. sometimes you, sometimes you dodge them, right? I think uh, was it like the other weekend, or, or or I think it was the other weekend where it won both Legacy challenges, Saturday and Sunday. Oh damn! Yeah, 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 it won. It won both challenges. Yeah, like that. Die for Max won one of them, and I don't remember the other player. But, I think that yeah, was MM seventeen Italian guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was it was his list that Max was using as well. Oh, I see. I see. Yeah. yeah. Oh, wow, crazy. You okay. should have just asked me. I'll tell you who played and what. Yeah, yeah. you know, I've said it before. If Wizards ever has like some kind of database like break and they can't put it back together, they would just like fly and Callum and Callum was just gonna put. Okay, look at this. So this tournament three years ago in Manila, they had this tournament, but the guy actually drew himself out of eighth place. So yeah, yeah. Callum. Oh, I, I don't okay. get into the weeds of like. I I have no idea how like you know seeding yeah. and dropping and drawing all this stuff works. I always just like to say I don't know. I'm gonna I'm gonna play for seeding. I'm just gonna crush. That's it. <laughs> yeah, unless I know for sure. But yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah, at uh, 40th place, we have another Ethnosum Tendril. So this is the, um, the two Storm decks in the top 16. Cool. Um, with uh, Veil of Summer in the main deck. It also plays Alasaur Shepherd in the sideboard to make Veil of what? Summer. Yeah, it plays uh, one of the um, Alasaur Shepherds. So, <laughs> and it also plays Dizzy Spell. Uh, so Dizzy Spell is a oh, one mana yeah. one mana blue sorcery. It has transmute for <laughs> one blue blue, and basically you get the combination of Alosaurus Shepherd. You play that, and then you play Veil of Summer. So Veil of Summer can't be counted. Alosaurus Shepherd can't be counted. Your whole combo <laughs> can't be counted. And this, I mean, it looks ridiculous, but it's also like a lot of steps, right? Like you you, you gotta find that Alosaurus Shepherd, which you can do with Dizzy Spell and uh, Grim Tutor, which is not in a deck. Uh, but there's there, there's Wish Cloud Talisman, really good. Okay, <laughs> and um, yeah, that's the that's the combo. And the 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 reason why you wanna do something like that is um, eight cast because eight cast does not only run eight forces but also Chalice of the Void. Guess what? Elisar Shepherd and Vil Summer go through Chalice of the Void and then you know you can you can still beat forces. Dude, imagine like you're sitting on like three forces and you have like a chalice on play and you're like nothing is ever gonna happen to you and then your right. opponent transmutes dizzy spell and you're like, <laughs> What the fuck? Like like the moment when like when you concede on the spot to a dizzy spell trans transmute, you know, <laughs> then you know legacy's over. You know, I, I actually wanna see them win a match by casting just like casting dizzy spell, which gives minus three, minus oh, I believe. To oh, yeah. To target creature until end of turn. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I, I, I've, yeah, I've, I've survived a, a merit lage attack with that. <laughs> you, you know what? But by the way, in talking of merit lage, you know what? The f most, the coolest play I've ever seen involving merit lages. Somebody dismembered merit lage for four life to stay alive at exactly one, because oh, you yeah. pay four life to give it minus five, minus five, so it deals fifteen. So you survive. I've just figured one to stay alive at one. In the past. Oh, that's super! That's so yeah. cool. I, I, that's just like super out of the box thinking. I, yeah. I think a lot of people wouldn't make that play. Died next turn, obviously, but you know, so, <laughs> <so>. <laughs> you place so, your outs. I think it was yeah. like back in Shardless Bug days, where I was like, I can draw a Liliana or something. Yeah, probably. <laughs> but the, Dizzy Spell is some, and Shepherd is real, real in the tank next level. It's, deck yeah, building. it's it's real deep. Um, I, I don't know if it's of too Japanese many steps, but it's yeah. it's like I'm gonna go with super duper mega ultra smart. Like that's. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. There's also a, a couple of other like one mana spells in the sideboard, like a one of chain of vapor, a one of yeah. carpet of flowers. 
uh, one of Flusser Storm, you know, like those things. But... So the Dizzy spell is like my favorite sideboarding thing that Julian hates, which is a sideboard Snapcaster Mage. <laughs> yeah, no, it's not really a sideboard. It's a Snapcaster Mage that casts yeah. something from your library that's slightly better. Yeah, okay, fine, fine. It's not, it's not. All right, all right. I mean, right, I, mean, I, it, I mean, it is a demonic tutor which cannot be counted, right? So, like, the, the whole idea is that nothing can be counted. Like, mm. Dizzy Spell transmit, um, can't be counted, and then all follow ups also can't be counted. Yes, yeah, so the shepherd. Um, it's, it's like hardcore mode. Like I would probably only do this ever again if counterbalance becomes like a stock deck, um, like a stock. Well, counterbalance is somewhat coming back, but we'll talk about that later. Mm. Okay, cool. Um, <laughs> you know yeah, what I uh, want to see with this deck? I want to see a Star Shepherd come down, and then they go just like LED, LED activated, hit you for five, <laughs> <laughs> and somehow it's good enough. Okay. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, to round this up, we have our uh, 15 flights. We have. I don't know if my uh, heart can take this. Oh man, yeah. this is this another is, this, this is, is another ca- this is another this. another special. Holy moly, take it away, colorless painter. See, Callum, what are you seeing? So first of all, the deck name is Mud. Ignore that. The player name is what I think is going to be happening to me when I play this a lot. It just says debt, <laughs> but it's it's painter, but it's like it's actually like forge combo um, with Helm of Awakening with painter combo in there. So it has three painters, the only creatures. Then it has four LEDs, four Lotus Pearls, four Mox Opals. Four Grim Monolith and three three Manifold Keys to go along with the Grim Monolith, and then eight Soul Lands, four Sagas, and then two Crackers, two Planes as your mana sources. And then payoffs wise, it has four Khans, three man, uh, three Mystic Forge with uh, yep the fourth in the sideboard to grab with Khan, and then three Painter, three Grindstone with the one of each of those in the sideboard to get the Khan as well. And then it has some like Saga targets as a uh, Relic of Progenitus, a Pithy Needle, and a Aether Spell Bomb. And it has four defense graders and protection as well, but I, I assume it just kind of like brute forces its way through things. Um, it's totally, totally my kind of jam, but the painter side doesn't really make much sense to me. I think I'd prefer to just have like Aww. some... I know, I know. I think I'd prefer to have some like Khan sign of and more things that you can abuse the the fast, fast mana with. It's cool that you can find the grindstone with the sagas and stuff. So maybe, maybe I could see like a grindstone in the main and then... You grab the other things with cons. It's it's it just doesn't have like I guess like finding them off Mystic's Forge is cool and it just ends the game. But very often it doesn't matter too much what you end the game with. But then I would have to play with it. I'm I'm a little bit skeptical that having an A plus B combo and these kind of things like leaves you with one side doing nothing and the other. Uh, yeah. I mean, you could grindstone yourself when there's like shit on top of Mystic Forge, which is something people would say, like, who are like, oh, I'm trying to justify it, but yeah, it's. I mean, yeah, you could, you could. Yeah, but I mean, that's, yeah. that's not I mean, that's... what you're spending a card on. But maybe I'm, maybe I'm underestimating the power of like Khan just tutoring the other half and Mystic Forge digging through the deck, especially with Helm of Awakening. You're like, your Khan's cost three and your Forge's cost three. The Grim Monolith is then netting you two mana, and like defense grids are just one mana to get through, and everything else is free. Rhinestone is free, Painter costs one. It's actually pretty, pretty cheap then. Yeah, and so you'd have 16 lands, but like, I guess you have the Forge to tap, XL, and then Keys, which are free to cast off it, like tap to do. So there's a good chance I'm underestimating it. This is a super sweet deck, which I know that one of my friends who who lives in London, he will absolutely bring to one of our weeklies soon. I want a Crucible in this deck, just so I can like keep abusing or Saga or something. I don't know. But you know what I love about the stack? What, what I absolutely love about the stack? The stack is basically monocolored, like non-colored. And then they go to the sideboard. And they're like, you know what? I actually want a splash. You, you know what I need out of yeah. all the spells in like 23 years of magic? You know what we need in this? 
Oblivion Ring is the answer. <laughs> we need three copies of Oblivion Ring. Oh, and Ethos One Cannon. Okay, I didn't see that. But Oblivion Ring, man, that's... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you have loads of fast mana, it just like catches everything. Like, I mean, yeah. Also, like Oblivion Ring probably costs one mana in this deck, right? Oh, that's actually broken. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. But but, uh, I, but but the thing is, like, it, there are three copies in the sideboard. What are you siding in? I guess against like basically any kind of enchantment hate your opponent could have. That's I mean, permanent based. I mean, like, uh, yeah, obviously oof. against sneak. I'm obviously against sneak and show, right? Yeah, you could you could. <laughs> Bring it in against almost anything, to be honest. Like, because they're going to be that, like that, collector roofs or null rods uh, or whatevers and stuff. Okay, uh. I mean, look who's talking. Like, I think the the last legacy GP I played, I even had Oblivion Ring in my sideboard. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm going to take back everything, but I right. play Green White Maverick. <laughs> so smart, yeah. People are going to bring in uh, artifact head, but not enchantment hate, you know? Yeah, who plays enchantment? Yeah, head? right. <laughs> I mean, you get the. Hate Force of Vigor even more. You know what? I yeah. was just thinking. I was just thinking. Why is this deck not playing Sensor's Divining Top? This would actually be insane. Like with Helm of <laughs> yes, Awakening and Mystic Forge right. and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. that that was that could have been that was an old combo, right? It's it's played a bit in pre-modern Helm Top. Yeah, I thought I. I've oh, not pre-modern. Vintage. One of the one of the middle school formats. Like the, yeah, that's. Some, I might have done that in Vintage. I, mm. I I clearly remember doing that in the last like couple of years. Maybe I'm hallucinating or something. I don't know. Right. <laughs> Cool deck. I, yeah. cool deck. I love seeing four cannons in the sideboard of like a right. play loads of spells deck because it's just all artifacts apart from Khan. Yeah. <laughs> and Oblivion Ring. Oh, <laughs> right. yeah. Of course. Sorry. Damn. You're limited to one Oblivion Ring a turn. <laughs> and yeah on 16th place uh, i think this this top 16 is pretty ridiculous because like this is another deck which is uh this I don't know. Like somebody dropped their like, trade bind on the floor. Seriously like when was the last time you saw Nether Void? In, <laughs> in, a, in, a to, in, a, in a top 16 deck because we are talking mono black what is this uh guys it's, help me out it's it's like mono black depths so the the nether void is crazy the main deck right assumptions and grim discoveries are really weird but this deck has actually been putting up some results recently it's it's like a new thing um you know tony murata into play yeah, yeah. so he's been working on these kind of mono black depths based uh like combo decks so very often you'll see this deck also play like main deck um, Lay Down in the Void with Helm of Obedience. Mm -hmm. um, they often have Khans in. Like they don't always play the depth packages, but it's like you see these mono black kind of combo uh, with some mid rangey qualities. Um, and very often they'll have like Dalthy Stalkers because they the Dalthy also combos with the Helm of Awakening. And Opposition Agent is just a very good card against uh, Dark Rituals. You mean Dalthy Voidwalker, right? Dalthy Voidwalker, so yeah. yeah. And. Um, so yeah, this build has some decisions, but the these combo like mono black depths or helm leyline stuff have been popping up quite a lot recently. I think. Yeah, but, um, I think it's just like a couple of individual card choices that really look unfamiliar. Like like Kai mentioned, right, another void. Yeah, and grim like grim discovery is something I played in. The last time I played it was 15 years ago, and a story went um, where we basically <laughs> played a a limited version. I think we played block. Was it like block um popper or something um, i don't fully remember it but I, I remember that i came across crim discovery and I, I figured this card actually rules the entire format because it's the only source of card advantage and yeah i guess we i should actually read out what it does it's a sorcery a colorless and a black choose one or both return target creature card from your graveyard to your hand and or return target land card from your graveyard to your hand so I guess what you can do here is if somehow your opponent stops your combo of of vampire hex mage plus dark depth 
you can recover both with a single card. This oh, like, that's so cool! Yeah, this is like black, black life from the Domino way. Mm. It's wow! It's value. That, it's actually pretty sick that you can return both Dark Depths and Hex Mage. Uh, to I don't your know hand. if it's. Sick. <laughs> I mean, I think it's. I think it's pretty cool. It's it's yeah, pretty cool. Yeah, that's yeah. the best way to put it. What I like about Nether Void, uh, despite being a one-off, obviously, is is that um, old lands are utility lands. So if if let's say if Nether Void uh, happens and no one's casting spells, well, guess what? Like your lands are gonna be do um, gonna do more stuff than your opponents probably because there are four sagas and the the depths combo, obviously. Yeah, just just uh, go turn one double dark ritual uh, Nether Void pass. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Yeah, but what do you guys think? Uh, this is this is the top 16 of 157 player event. Just uh, more craziness. Like, two of these decks, so there's one black one and the painter, like, helm thing. We were, like, like explaining the deck and trying to work it out. Like, this is these are not common things. Two Ant as well. Aluren, yeah. this, like, really cool uh, Bomberman deck. Yeah. Uh, Julian's Sneak and Show deck he liked. <laughs> Julian's Sneak and Show. <laughs> My favorite. <laughs> Julian's Sneak and Show, yeah. But like Dizzy Spell as well. This like this whole top 16 is amazing. Yeah. It's so cool. Also, uh, no Delva in the top 16, for example. Oh, yeah. So just two yeah. in the top eight. And then like Rug right. Midrange, which is similar-ish. But, like, you know, Japanese players, they just like don't give a shit. They play what they think is good. Uh, and that's it. Even though, know, like, I would imagine, like, if we go to Japan and we play our first matches, it's going to be like, oh, Delva all the way. <laughs> so, you, know what's, you know what's good versus Delva? Yeah. Dizzy Spell and Nether Void. Let's <laughs> fucking go. <laughs> yeah. uh, there, there, there is one thing about the Japanese metagame, at least in Tokyo, is that Japanese in general like control decks a lot. Um, oh, is that so? Yeah, there, there's, there's a trend of like, uh, you know, when, when Burkles was the best deck in, in Legacy, literally everyone was playing it. And a lot of, I don't know, I think Japanese really like like a longer games with a lot of like Planeswalkers, Contrips, things like that. And that kind of explains why there was like Salvager decks or like Gairuda decks or like Prison decks may, maybe made it to the top 16 and 8 because uh, they just kind of, I don't know, like they, they kind of beat up on those mid-range control decks maybe more often. You kind of get that. I would expect yeah. more elves to be there, but on the other hand, like every time I see these de uh, deck lists, uh, I also see a pretty healthy amount of like not fast combo, but but like mid range combo, like ad nauseum. Um, but I guess those are more manageable than, than the real fast combo decks. Right. But yeah, uh, yeah. But um, you know, at the end of the day, I th I think we we can be super super happy about uh this this result. Like in general, it's it's awesome and uh. Yeah, uh, please go check out, um, you know, like Japanese decklists because they do play a lot of like more wonky spell. Not only at this tournament, but also in, they've always been playing kind of kind of crazy cards. So. Yeah, I'm just going to say drop that. <laughs> Remember <laughs> when that card showed its Damn. face? <laughs> yes. Hell yeah. yeah. In Bakdelva. Hell yeah. yeah. The, the only eight or nine mana card ever to see play in, in, in Legacy Delva. Pretty sure it's 10 mana, Julian. Do you even know Was Legacy? Yeah, uh, apparently not. I should drop from the podcast. I should be voted out. <laughs> but yeah, guys, we, we still haven't talked about the Grand Finals, right? Uh, so Andy took down the Candidates Tournament. And, and how does it work? Then you, then you have to beat the reigning God of Legacy in, in like a best of five? Exactly. So uh, that happened, I think, like the day after or like two days after. And what, so what happens is that in, before the, I think before the winner is decided, and now both players are going to make a new deck. They can, they, they can think about a new deck list uh, in secret and, ooh, and, ooh. And, and then present it to the table. So uh, the, the two decks we see here are a little bit tuned, you know. For example, the Blue Red, Des um, the Blue Red Delva deck by uh, Takano Shigeki, he, who is, I think, the best legacy player I've ever met in my entire life. He's incredible, better than any any pro I've, I've 
I played against. Uh, at least in, 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 I, I guess at least in Legacy, <laughs> you know. <laughs> uh, yeah. But uh, you can see in this deck list, um, he does play Druid Delver with a lot of unholy heats because he uh, he saw that Andy is playing a lot of like f um, toughness four plus things like Uro, for example. There's also endurance in the sideboard. Uh, he wants the one he wanted to have like an edge against uh, against those. Also, Ledger Shredder, of course. Mm, there's also like a predictor who's expecting it to be grindy games. Yeah, absolutely. And um, yeah, and uh, so there is the the interview. As I mentioned earlier... Uh, oh, so, so, sorry to interrupt you there, Kai. Yes. Uh, you, you mentioned the Unholy Heats, but we are only playing two copies of Lightning Bolt in our Blue-Red Diver deck. This is right. like a really big decision, right? It is, it is. Um, because, uh, so, in the, in the player interview, and Takano Shigeki mentioned that uh, this matchup is not about dealing damage to your opponent's face. Um, actually, it almost never happens. It, it's more about, like, board presence and almost, like, board presence only. Yeah. And... and and having like quote unquote like sold to plowshares is better than lightning bolt if you know what I mean, right? Yeah, yeah. In these type of scenarios, and uh, this is exactly also what we saw on camera because Blue Red Delver looks a little fragile uh, to its a little bit bigger brother, right? Which is Timur Midrange. Uh, Timur Midrange does play a lot of similar spells to Blue Red Delver, but it it just goes a little bit over the um, the, the Blue Red Delver deck, so. Uh, which makes a little advantage. Yeah, you, you would think that the, the Timur deck that Andy brought is like a natural foil to like straight up Blue Red Diver. Right, and that's exactly what uh, what both players said at the interview. But uh, Takano Shigeki is just is just Takano Shigeki, so you know he just <laughs> he, he just won. Basically, like, like um, for example, like I think in game one, Andy resolved a maddening hex. I think on an empty board, and and Takano Shigeki could have forced it. Uh, but he just opted not to and simply ignored it and, and kept his forces to protect this Murktide regent instead, you know, and just completely. Mm. And I think he like he rolled like the dice like three or four times, but it did not matter. And yeah, like sometimes, you you, you know, you're going to like evaluate uh, what your role is and, and how you're really going to like pull out those games. I'm going to go and watch that finals right after we finish recording. Yeah. You're going to link it, right? Uh, I'm going to have it in the show notes for sure. Yeah. Yeah, we've got, we've got a ton of links for So, yeah, we'll have it in the show notes. We've got top eight deck lists, top 16, top eight profiles, and the video of the final as well. Hell yeah. You know what you should be doing in those tournaments? Like, if you go to the finals, final, like the, the one way to take down the card, the most playable thing would be to play a copy of, like, Dayside or something. <laughs> <laughs> nice. You imagine, like, the if you use that card to win the final game, that, that that's just, like, the the cherry on top that's a, you're gonna become the god of legacy for a year or something mm -hmm. <laughs> <Karam> is not <laughs> impressed <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I'm, I'm remembering what deicide does it's a great card yeah i think it like destroys a planeswalker or something i don't even remember it's, it's one white instant you exile target like enchantment if if what? that and then if that was a god you can surgical extraction them basically it's well, a, nearly as good as I thought it was. No. <laughs> See, your joke is terrible. It's, it's a terrible card you're reading. Why I, I sure feel embarrassed for it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, but then you win the game by because you take out all the maddening hexes. You could actually do that. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> okay, guys. So yeah, let's go. Let's go to Japan. Let's find out more. Uh, imagine if you go and like one of us becomes the god of legacy. The other one becomes the god of what is there? Vintage. And then someone has to be the god of modern. Like uh, yeah. it feels so bad. Like the god of standard. <laughs> I just feel like that. 
from a marketing perspective, standard makes sense because whenever a new game player comes into game, they're like, oh yeah, I guess I play standard. Uh, that's also like what the shop is going to tell them anyway, probably. But it just feels so boring. Like what do you play? We play Legacy. We play Vintage. Standard. Right. Hmm. Yeah, it's lost. Oh, like, yeah. I yeah. also for I forgot one more thing. Uh, so if you are the, the god of legacy, the current god of legacy, um, your picture is going to be, there's going to be like, a, um, your face is going to be in the tournament center next to the feature material. Oh, come on. Hey, does yeah, it get dude. any more flavor for it? I mean, I mean, it gets properly framed and, you know, things like that. Employee of the month, god of the quarter. <laughs> god Quarterly of the quarter. God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is so powerful. But yeah, just like the thing that you get free entry into all the tournaments for like at least a quarter of the year, that, that, that alone is probably worth like hundreds of dollars if you actually make use of it like big time. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, and, and, uh, and so the Takano Shigeki, he doesn't have Magic Online, but he does play at the, um, I think, 5 p.m. and 8 p.m. Legacy tournament every single day. Dude, literally, literally, literally oh, every single day. Um, 5 p.m. and 8 p.m. Legacy every single day? Yeah. What is the city? Oh, yeah, it's like three rounds each, yeah. And usually he goes like, you know, just three on each. I probably like, makes a living like, that way. Like, e yeah, even like, I think like it was like a, a week or two ago, he had, um, he, for the for the memes, he he just he just had a 3 um deck list, like Druid Delver with Crawworm in it. Like, <laughs> he can't, like, he, like, he, like he can't even, like, he can't even cast it, but it's like, you know, I mean, Druid Delver is too powerful. You can't even, you, you can't even put Crawworm in oh, the deck. Oh, this, you know? this gives me flashbacks when people were playing Dwarf and Pony in Miracles, where, where they had a challenge, like how many useless cards can we put to the sideboard and still do battle with Miracles? I mean, like the the I, mean, times. I mean, Crawworm was in the main deck. No oh, fucking yeah. main I deck. So. Yeah, dude. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Just like trying to come up with any scenario. I guess you put it in for show and tell. <laughs> I, and at, my, at my local store, I used to play Miracles with Thoughtlash and um, Lab, Lab Maniac. Yeah, because just because you can, and then it's I had good. like Nihiri yeah. and Emrakul in the sideboard. I mean, it's, yeah, at least those are costable. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Does he just always amazing. play Delver? At the uh, moment? Mo mo mostly, but um, but also a lot of like a lot of elves too. Um, mm -hmm. he's most mo mo uh, mostly known for elves. And at the previous God of Legacy final challenge, he he had to defend his title again um, against Blue Red Delver. So he picked up elves and he beat. Uh, Blue Delver on Elves. I think uh, um, again, it was like um, must have been like a three and O or like a three and one or something nice. like that. Yeah. What's what's the rules for his like the defending champion like choosing your deck? Because does the other player have to stick with their deck that they got? I the think final we, with? Uh, Kai explained that right. Yeah. So oh, uh, the, the yeah. So so um. So the challenger has to, I think has to pretty much take the same deck as the uh, the previous day. But the um the current God of Legacy. Um, can change uh, the deck because sometimes card get, cards get banned, unbanned, you, you never know, right? So uh, he can basically pick a deck and customize it as much as they want. Mm, oh, I thought I misunderstood. I thought you said they, they could actually both change their decks. Uh, no, I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah, like the, ch the challenger has to stick with their, with their deck. Oh, okay. That's actually, very, it's very hard to beat the god then if they just like tailor their deck to beat you. Well, yeah. Well, the, the problem. Well, the problem is um, like card accessibility, but mm -hmm. also like how familiar you are, right? Like, imagine if if you, I don't know, I don't. Have you, example, you're thinking but... way too fair, Kai. We are talking about we show up with like six pyroblasts in the main. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not like oh, I'm gonna pick like a real deck. I'm just gonna pick like the absolute anti deck against the tournament. Uh, the deck you just won the. But at the same time, like with. the guy sounds like if he he could totally just build a deck to absolutely slam rug midrange but actually he just played delve with a few changes like yeah three heats and two blasts but it's not like 
It's not like six blast main deck, as you said. Right. Yeah, yeah, but it sounds like the odds are slightly stacked in favor of the god. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. not a fair world. Gods, gods are evil. This, yeah. By the way, Kai, is this something that like people always talk about, like how in in uh, like East Asian cultures, like honor and something is a lot more important? What what would it be like if he showed up with the ultimate anti deck that's completely unplayable except for this matchup? Would it be like shameful or something? Would it be like, uh, oh come on, dude? Well, I mean, there's always there. Yeah, I mean, there's always like the um, not the. Um, if you win, but like how you win, right? And um, I guess since so many people are talking about the event, like um, af- after after the results, I think there is. I wouldn't do it, for example. Yeah, um, yeah me neither. Like I think even right? over here, like people, I guess if they really want to win, they could. But then you you will be like looked down upon for quite a while. Yeah, yeah. a shameful god. A shameful. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, fallen god of I, legacy. I, I, I mean, I guess like a shameful god is still a god, but yeah. Yeah. Um, if, you, if, 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 if you get that title, you know, like just 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 make it right, you know. <laughs> yeah. No, I like it. It's a, it's an honor thing. Cool. So yeah, before we close it out, I, I almost feel like very small now, just talking about such a tiny event like the Legacy Challenge on the weekend. But but our favorite deck actually took deck. it down in the hands of Delthar, and I think Delthar might actually have won the trophy race as well, right? I saw on their Twitter that they they were like fighting to to get the top spot back again so they might have actually won the trophy race and the final challenge of the season i don't don't think the trophy race is over yet but it's it's them and um uh easy money marksman who's um, easy easy monkey marksman oh money yeah easy money (laughs) easy money marksman i always kept writing it as easy monkey marksman (laughs) these two are like so easy money marksman like mostly plays delver but can play blue decks very well and then delphar just like plays anything non-blue it feels like he can obviously play blue as well but his twitter feed is just a stream of like non-blue decks trophy 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 again trophy (laughs) again it's so easy for him i don't know how he does it he's just an absolute monster so he's he said that his like lands is is his most played deck but he crushes with painter as well and um so he won the challenge with painter and then like straight after he posted like oh i five with blue painter as well and i did this and i did that (laughs) and he's just just crazy so um, the painter list is also very different to what I play, and he's he posts all his like five O's with it, and he's been playing basically this for quite a while, and it's like it's four Khans, which is very different to me because I don't like Khan versus Delver, and then he has two Incinerian Bridge main deck, which I don't like either. But he has. I guess they complement each other though. Like I mean, yeah, Incinerian Bridge is a way to make Khan work against Delver, I guess. Exactly, exactly. So I I don't know if anyone cares enough but i went into this quite a lot on the last stream i had where someone asked like about khan's and staring bridge and i said it's all tied together and also having a painter in the sideboard is tied together with staring bridge and khan in your main net being a game plan because if you don't rely on khan and staring bridge you just want to be able to combo them faster so you want to be able to naturally draw the painter as much as possible but um yeah with two bridges two bridges is the answer to the one brazen borrower delver plays basically like oh. if, so <laughs> The, pro- the problem with Incinerary Bridge against Delver is if you just play one, like because of DRC and iteration and everything, they just find it every single time in like three or four turns, basically. So it's not reliable. And like you need to have two goblins survive to be able to sack it and then bring it back in again if they try and bounce it. And they, they just build up a hand of forces to counter the Pyroblasts. And you can never have more than two Pyroblasts in hand because if you have three cards in hand, the bridge doesn't do it against anything against the DRCs and Delvers. So it, I guess if you have like one Welder, that's also good enough, right? No, but they need to bring it back in again. So, so they build up a board where it's... it's oh, because sort of they lethal. bounce it to hand, they don't bounce it to a graveyard. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> bounce to graveyard, also known as destroying. Yeah, so <laughs> so they, the, the really good players 
most of them online realize they need to have two forces in hand to beat your two pyroblasts that you, have, you, you can have in hand and they need to kill the goblins so that there's only one in play maximum and then they bounce it and it, with all their filtering they just do this every single time so having two bridges in play stops the one the one borrower so um yeah uh, it's it, very technical yeah yeah you could actually like write the bible on playing dover at this uh paint against dover at this point I've made tons of notes. I'm, I'm in the middle of writing an article about it. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, I'm writing <laughs> tons of notes. But the thing is, it's it's my perspective. Like, so I don't play Bridge and I don't like it against Delver currently, and I think it's bad. But Delver wins way more than me, and he's playing two, and he plays a third in the sideboard. So, yeah, I'm writing what I know, and, like, it's it's very... As I said earlier, like, Painter's a deck where there's not a completely agreed-upon build, so it's it's about, like, what works for you currently. Which is not really a common thing for legacy decks. It's usually that's what makes it exciting. Yeah, that's just yeah, like I think so. that's the thing that people, at least in parts, always think about when they talk about whatever they consider like the golden age of legacy. It's usually like a time where there was a lot of a lot more customizability to to decks, right? Where mm -hmm. where things weren't as I, I guess the only deck that was super set in stone back then was Canadian Threshold, which is basically like the same seventy five for everyone. Like even yeah, it was like ago. a fifty six card deck, and then you'd have like one or two Rushing River and. One Russian River and Vendillion Click were always like those two slots. Yeah, yeah. Deck, yeah. <laughs> Everybody oh. remembers that. <laughs> Rushing but, River, man. What a tempo card. That's actually such an insane card when you think about it. Yeah. <laughs> but you're you're right. That's what's exciting about this deck is like, I mean, I just find like I, I play a list for like two or three weeks and then make some changes and like the changes. And then I look back at some lists from like a month or two ago. I'm like, God, what was I doing? So it's it's exciting. <laughs> it, is a, it is a time of continuing to experiment and stuff. Time of curiosity. Yeah yeah so <laughs> cool. yeah everyone will we'll link delphar's twitter because i think they just post started posting more often um but i if you like especially like non-blue decks and painter and lands and these kind of things absolutely give him a follow because he's an incredible player and is winning a ton with all these decks so you know that guy's twitter feed could be its own podcast mm. <laughs> it's just like something new every single day everything <laughs> yeah, there, oh top edited with this top edited with that dun 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 yeah Cool. cool. So that's um, Delthar taking it down. We're quickly going to mention the rest of the top eight. That's Theo Young with Delverless Blue Red Delva with two counterbalances on the sideboard. House of Mana, MTG, Blue Red Delva in third place. Also two counterbalances on the sideboard. And that's what I was talking about earlier when I was telling Kai that feels like counterbalance is almost coming back. Because I'm also playing against counterbalance left and right all the time on Magic Online right now. But whenever I play these like Blue Red Delva mirrors, I'm not sure if counterbalance is the answer, but I see it a lot more. Uh, fourth place, Karu's blue-white displacer kitten Riddlesmith combo with Urza. But it's not really a combo, right? But it's it's pretty pretty powerful. Yeah, this is a really cool one. Um, I've seen I've seen them playing this a few times in like the five O dumps, and I've tried um, displacer combo in these kind of like chalice shells, but with Azoria signet and stuff. Because I was never sure about casting Teferi with Soul Lands, but they've gone like more low to the ground with uh, just bodies to play as well, which I like a lot more because. When we talked about kitten decks last time, I mentioned how like Teferi, you actually want to protect it, which is something you don't usually care about that much after you've got the the value from the minus three. So having like random sentinels and canonists and engineer smiths and thought monitors and Urza construct tokens stuff to just like block to protect the Teferi is pretty powerful. And they're just like good cards in these artifact based shells as well. So I think it's a pretty well built deck, which we might see more of. Cool. Cool. 
going on, Makuto86, Cephalop Breakfast. <laughs> it just nice. can't die. It, it's key. Like, I think every time Xavi picks up the deck, then for the next, like, two, three, four months, it has this kind of, like, revival, and, and maybe it's going to be here to stay. It's, it's certainly a lot of fun. Yeah, it's good. Like, it's it's not just him being the only player that's able to do it. Yeah. yeah. I think Makuto even... Uh, I, I want to say top aided another big thing that, that Xavi ended up winning. Yeah, I recognize uh, the name. I think it was some challenges or something. I'm pretty sure it was. I think it was some rather big thing recently that that's, uh, Makuto also did really well, and you, you could be right, yeah. Uh, and speaking of another deck that, that basically employs the principle of being greater than the sum of its parts, we have Aaron Relentless on Elves, uh, getting just like another legacy top eight. I think he, he's Third like on a run. Third top eight in a row. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's he's a worthy um, uh, Eternal Weekend champion, right? Given yeah. like how much he's dominating these days. Yeah, yeah. And so he's top eighted the, the Malmo event into... Top in all the challenges. Yeah, he's he's, a, he's pretty good, I guess. Yeah, I mean, he, I mean, he made me start elves, so uh, you know, that, that, that's <laughs> nice. a sign. That, that's no, a give sign. it give it like another year or two, and everybody's playing elves. Like the entire form is just going to be elves mirrors, <laughs> right. which is so miserable. Right. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, they'll probably play like four copies of engineer, a uh, plague engineer in the main board, then, huh? I mean, you could play them in the sideboard. That's not like crazy to do that in elves. Oh, I would go main board then. If en- engineer plays is elves, yeah. not <laughs> even too good against the current elves. Yeah, I, th- I think yeah. the, if it's the, just engineer, you you can go over the top of it. The the better sideboard card is opposition agent. It's a lot lot better. Oh, the, I hate that card so much. Yeah, like I hate canonist. I hate opposition agent. Those, those are just like bullshit. Yeah, agent is especially great because like it's it's built around reclaimer. So like doing in in response to the reclaimer activation is just like you've wasted two mana. You've like kill one of their lands and oh man that's black you, ha- you haven't yeah. lived you haven't lived <laughs> until you flashed an opposition agent when the opponent has just sacrificed uh what's the card uh i'm, I'm blanking on the one uh flex nonsense of trocaer oh, oh yeah yeah <laughs> oh, <God>. yeah. <laughs> oh man oh, God. you get to search for two cards and your opponent's down on them perfect absolutely perfect so oh, nice. i think at that point you just dropped off from the tournament yeah <laughs> yeah Seventh place, Twinless Twin, uh, Blue White Red Day is undoing. Eighth place, Arcanon, what I call Neo, Checkpile, Evangelion, what have you. It's like the third coming of Checkpile, and I hate it. <laughs> That's <laughs> all I can say. Okay. But yeah, Arcanon has been doing really well with these kinds of decks lately as well. This, I guess it's Bayfold Strix, Midrange, Bullshit, Hymn to Torach, Inquisition of Corsalek. Indeed. And there's Splash White for prismatic ending and salt supply. Oh, dude, this is this is the complete opposite of anything I ever want to do in a magic constructed format. Right. <laughs> like well, give a, all of that a, to me there's limited. There's in there. Yeah, that's the only exciting card actually. <laughs> I think it plus ones for um, that confident, right? Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, much. and you can also make tokens. Yeah, yeah. you can um, make like vampire. Yeah. What's Two, three, it called? Flying and lifelink token. Yeah. Yeah. What, what's it called? The vampire, not hex mage. No, uh, vampire nighthawk. Night but this doesn't have death touch. Close enough. Oh, unplayable. Right. Yeah. Right. What, is, what does the ultimate do, actually? It comes into play with four plus ones and minus it, seven is Soren deals 13 damage to any target. You gain 13 life. It's almost uh. enough to kill a Merc Tide. <laughs> almost. <laughs> After the second one comes down. <laughs> I like the almost. Yeah. <laughs> you could almost buffer like a swing with two, two Merc Tides if you, if you get that ultimate off. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> My glass is half full. <laughs> but yeah, I think that that's it from us today, guys. Uh, you got anything to add? Uh, Thalai is in top 16 with uh, Cephalo Breakfast as well. Just saying. It's Thalai um, and Makuto come together. Uh, Thalai, and that's that's yeah. Javi, on, uh, Javi Dominguez, yeah. um, also former world champion. Mm, damn. Uh, all the world champions, they play Legacy. They love Legacy. There's so many. 
<laughs> if you want to become uh, a champion of the podcast, why don't you go champion. to or a world champion in the long run, right? <laughs> I know some world champions love to listen to this. You can go to Apple Podcasts, leave a review. Um, that would be just amazing. <laughs> I've run out of things to say, but seriously, like whenever you 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 guys leave reviews on Apple Podcasts, that's that's just the best. We we love it. Thank you so much. If you want to support the running of the show, head to patreon.com slash everydayeternal. Join the ever-growing community of crazy people uh, submitting deck lists in our Discord, making me play, what's it called, Meditate moderation? <laughs> uh, Bouncy Castle, thank you very much. Bouncy Castle, that's the Bouncy Castle version 2, Mark 2. That's actually where we were going with. Yeah. Join us over there, have a lot of fun. And with that, guys, you can find the podcasts on at EternalMTG. You can find me on at it's June in 23 We can find Callum on at Callum Smith MTG and Kai is basically Savatarix on every single platform, including Patreon and and what's it called? I wanted to say Pornhub, but they ended up no, on Patreon. Oh, no, it's OnlyFans. <laughs> OnlyFans. Uh, do you think Pornstars have a Patreon? No, they'd probably have like an OnlyFans. I mean, it's, it's, I mean, it's, it's OnlyFans with extra steps, no? Yeah. <laughs> OnlyFans with extra steps. That sounds like kinky. Anyway. <laughs> Thank you so much to everybody listening, supporting us, especially the Eternal Witness tier supporters, Tommy Hinks, Tastacula, Sebastian Holaga, Guillem Hanawaev, Sean Dewey, and Severin Schwarzuber. And of course, on Grizzlebrand tier, Victor Bernatzt, Bertje Butt, Scott Monroe, Jeremy Gates, Henry Korkutz, Tom Hepp, and Paragon Games in St. Louis. Have a great time, enjoy the rest of the summer, and see you again in August. Cheers. See you, everyone.